What's going on, ladies and gents? Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com, and I have special guest Rob Dion here, and he's he's cool from first glance just simply because his name's Robert as well, and that automatically makes him ten times cooler. Let's jump right into this podcast and get to jamming here. So, how are you, Rob? I'm good, Robert. Thanks for it. You know, it's always funny when you talk to somebody who goes by Robert when I'm Rob. Mm-hmm. I feel like, do you want me to just call you Rob or do we do we just, you, you go by Robert? No, it's funny. Like I've never once introduced myself as Rob, yet everybody calls me Rob. <laughs> Is it <laughs> the same with you? Like you introduce yourself as Rob, right? I introduce myself as Rob, but um but like good friends of mine call me Bobby. So it's like it, that kind of started in in college and uh it's more like it's not like Hey, Bobby. It's more like, hey, Bobby, you know, like because I'm from New York. So, so right, I'll just, I'll just say, hey, Bobby, as we go. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. Roll with it. Why not? Very cool. Very cool. Well, man, give, give the audience a little little background on kind of like you and your story and kind of what got you into this space in the first place. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, this you know, the fitness journey started for me kind of later in life. I know you started early, um, but mine didn't start until I was probably 30 years old. My... Um, my, I was always an athlete. That's one thing that, that I think a lot of people kind of can tune into early on in life. But when you, after college, you try to kind of start a career, you're in a relationship and kind of life takes over. You just want to pay the bills. For me, it was difficult to juggle that and be healthy or even figure out what healthy meant. I had no idea what healthy meant. Mm. So throughout my 20s, I started putting weight on and um, I was living in New York. I was living in Queens at the time. And then eventually in 2005, my wife and I, or she was my girlfriend at the time, moved to L.A. Uh, to try to make it in the, in the, in the, uh, in the acting world. We try to make it in Hollywood. Uh, so, and that, that wasn't panning out. And I remember when, we, when I was 30 is when we got married. We went, to, we went to Hawaii and we're standing at a waterfall. And she kind of backs up and she's taking it all in and I'm standing at the edge of this waterfall and she snaps a picture of me as I turn towards her. My gut is hanging out. Uh, I feel completely disgusting and I couldn't believe she just snapped that picture without letting giving me like a heads up so I can at least flex my stomach a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I looked at that picture and I was, I was mortified at how far I had fallen. And because I always thought of myself as this fit person who's always, you know, active and, and does stuff. But what I didn't, what I never really associated being fit and healthy with how I was eating. And so when I looked at that picture, I, I just, I just realized that I have a problem here. Like there's just a, such a disconnect between how, um, how I think I'm supposed to look and how I'm supposed to eat and how I'm supposed to feel. And so that started the journey for me. And I've, I mean, I look, I'm going to give you an example. I would show up to workouts with my buddy Jeff Meacham, who is, uh, he used to be the co-host on my podcast. I've been working out with this guy since college, mm-hmm. and he's terrible at working out. He's, he's, well, he works out all the time, but he, back then he was just, he's a total, he's a total flake. I said this on my show before. I would show up to the gym. I'm pretty OCD. I know that you have some OCD issues as well. Mm-hmm. So like I'm on time. If, if, the, if, we're, if we're meeting at eight o'clock in the morning at the gym, I'm on time. I'm there five minutes early getting warmed up. He would show up 20 minutes late, past the hour and I would just be like pissed off all the time but I would show up after just like downing a chili dog or a slice of pizza or like an egg sandwich or stopping at McDonald's on the way over that's the way I just thought I can do that as long as I'm lifting and you know early 20s you get results still doing that 
But as you get older and as you, you your metabolism starts slowing down and you, you, you know, maybe your workouts are not as frequent as they used to be, um, it doesn't work anymore. And you can start, you can, you can work out all day long almost and your body's not going to see the results if you're just dumping all that garbage in. So I started really paying attention to what I was eating after that, after about, after my, that picture uh, on the waterfall in Hawaii. And now it's been 10 years since then. And I've tried, I mean, it started out with doing cleanses. It started out with like trying a low calorie diet, you know, transitioning into doing, um, you know, I was vegetarian for a while and then I was pescatarian for a while. And I just kept trying different things to see what would work for me and how I would feel. Obviously that was a big part of it. How do I feel throughout this process? And I learned a hell of a lot and at the same time, through that, when I was about 30 years old or 31 years old is when I started getting into thinking about being a personal trainer because I was transitioning into being healthier mm -hmm. and I was always working out and training with friends. And I was like, you know what? Maybe this is something that I should, I should look at. And, uh, and I ended up doing a play uh, in Los Angeles, uh, Troilus and Crescent. I had to take my shirt off and I was playing Achilles. And my, the, the, the guy playing opposite me was Ajax. We were the leads in the play. And I, um, I had to take my shirt off. And he looked. this guy Ajax looks at me. He's probably like 290 pounds, this guy. And uh, he goes, dude, how do, you, how do you look like that? Because I had been starting to like lose weight and get fit again. And, he's, and I just told him, look, man, I just started dieting down. And I wasn't doing it healthfully. I just, you know, I just probably was doing low calorie and kind of starved myself and was working out all the time. Um, you know that road. And, um, and so he asked if I would train him and took that, took him up on the offer and started training him and then got certification, started learning stuff, but you know, got in some more clients, started learning more about myself. And, and that's kind of how I transitioned into kind of this, this new road of being a healthier person. And it, you know, I think the thing that a lot of people struggle with, and I'm sure the people that are listening to your show struggle with is they think that they have to have it all figured out immediately, mm -hmm. right? They have to, they think that they have to be able to turn their life around on a hundred, you know, on a dime, 180 degrees and head back. And it's just, it doesn't work that way. It, it's taken you, I can't remember exactly how young you were when you first started working out, uh, and trying to get healthy and fit. And you know, you've learned a hell of a lot in, you know, over your journey and it does, it's a lifetime of learning all about how you work the best. Oh yeah. 100%. So that's like, I guess a short well, or maybe a long roundabout way of, you know, kind of giving a background about me. No, no, no. Let's, let's, let's dive in. Um, do you do you know what your stats were at that picture in, in Hawaii? What my stats were? Like how much I weighed? Yeah, how much you weighed? I was, how tall were you? Uh, well, I'm 5'10". I weighed about 194, 195 at mm -hmm. that, at that, at that, uh, at, in that picture. Um, you could see, if you're looking at the picture, you could see that I had some muscle in my arms. Um, but I was just kind of flabby and soft. Oh man, we're um, gonna have to have that picture for like the thumbnail of this podcast, right? <laughs> Deal. Yeah, it's on my. I think it's on my about page on my website. Uh, if you want to take a look, but I can send it to you too. I have. I have. You know, I have it in my before and afters um, throughout. And you know, and I ended up losing like all that weight uh, doing triathlons, marathons, half marathons, mud runs. Like I got, I got addicted to doing endurance races mm -hmm. and, uh, and I went down that road for a long time too, which was, which was really fun. But at the same time, it was like, it wasn't something that was my lifestyle. I just, it always felt weird to me or like off doing all of those things. Um, but yeah. Okay. So it was 195, probably around there. I was, I had to be close to 25% body fat. Um, roughly, maybe maybe a little bit less, and um, yeah, and I was working out maybe once a week, 
at the at probably at the most at the most and then so i want to kind of dive into like the the thought process that happens you know and occurs when you realize you need to make a change and you just start jumping into you know fitness and nutrition and and, and you said you weren't even focusing on the nutrition at first and i guess you know at that stage in your life 30s early 30s you know prior to that in the 20s i mean you're able to kind of eat whatever and get away with it um what uh what was like the deciding factor of okay i need to actually focus on my nutrition instead of just the training well i think it was when i was doing so i did i signed up and this is actually a good strategy i think to kind of get the ball rolling for people i started signing up for as many endurance races as i could that were and spaced them out so i think i started out with um one of my clients was doing a half marathon, and so we signed up for that together. Basically, I had to show up and do it and train for it. Otherwise, I was going to look like a jackass mm-hmm. you know, in front of my clients. So I did that, and I asked a couple other uh, trainers to or clients to do that with us. And then I signed up for a marathon. And, and the big thing for me, realizing how important nutrition was, is when I – I on race day decided to do something that I had never done before. And I would, it, and it was like, it's not like I did something crazy. I just ate buckwheat on the day of the, of the run. And I had never eaten buckwheat before. I had never eaten that much food before a long run, but I had heard that you need to consume a certain amount of uh, carbohydrates before. And that's what's going to get you through. And I did that and I, and I immediately realized like how exhausted I was before we even started the race one, how uncomfortable I felt in my stomach, number two, and then how terrible I did in the race itself was just, it was all like, wow, this really does have an impact on me. Mm -hmm. And, and that was, that was like my first time realizing that it, it realizing it about myself, not necessarily like I, I, I've done things in the past that I could tell you about that you know, I, I made a huge change in my, in the way that I approach my personal training and my clients. And, and that was like the eye opener for me as well in terms of how to help my clients really succeed and see the results that they want to see. Um, I started working with a nutritionist and she would help my clients and I, and then in turn help me. And that was like, there was a whole transition of, of like, you know, like a whole bunch of epiphanies happened probably about a year in where I was like, Oh my God, if I eat like if I eat more whole foods and ease off the processed foods, my life completely changes. My body responds immediately. If I back off of sugar, I have like insane like differences in, in the way that my body uh, holds on to body fat. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was all of these little realizations probably about like within the first few years of really diving into being uh, to be I would say like I wouldn't even say I was a fitness professional at that time. I would just say I was like a more of like a fitness enthusiast and a fitness kind of like, um, uh, I was more testing the waters of all the different things that, that could possibly work. So that was how, that was kind of how I, how I started. I think the first, the first levels of me diving into some of the nutrition stuff and realizing that this has a big impact on me. What are some of the, cause like you, you, like if you jump on a Google or something, you type in, you know, best diet for weight loss, you're gonna get all kinds of different results. Um, and it, it seems like, you know, paralysis analysis, people start looking, they start digging and they don't even know where to start. What are some of the things that, that you tried and just definitely did not work? And what are some of the things that you found actually worked well? Like if you had to do it all over again, what would you do differently? If I would have to, if I would do it all over again, I would have immediately switched over to a combination of, and I'm not like, I'm not pitching it, uh, is a a combination of like the keto diet and the paleo diet. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you how I came about, like I came to that decision. Like I had said, I'd gone through cleanses, doing vegetarian, pescatarian, all that crap. And what I ended up doing was uh, I, I signed up after I did, I think, my last triathlon that I had ever done. Um, I looked at myself and I was down to like 162. Right. I, I, I really lost most of my body fat. My one of my clients said he goes, wow, you look svelte. And I was like, I didn't even know I, I was I, at the point at the time. I didn't know what the word svelte meant. So I I like Googled it and I'm like, that means like 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 kind of like sleek and thin. And, you know, and I was like, I don't want to look like that. So I <laughs> so so I um, so I immediately signed up for a, men, a men's physique competition. I was like, I know I have a frame for building muscle mass. I know because I've done it. And but I've never really, really d- dove into it head first and, and bitten like and not look back. So I signed up for a men's physique competition. It was, it was September when I signed up cause I had just completed the Malibu triathlon and I, uh, and the try and the, the competition was on April 16th, the day before my birthday. And I was like, okay, this is, this is, this couldn't be better. It gives me all, like nine months to get ready for this thing. I'm going to put on as much muscle mass as I can uh, in three months. Then I'm going to take four months to drop it off. There was a couple of older guys at the gym that had done a thousand men's physique competitions and bodybuilding competitions. The guy who owned the gym was actually a professional bodybuilder back in the 70s and 80s. So like he was in that world. And so I had these old guy mentors that could kind of walk me through what I should do. And so I signed up for this thing, started my training. I was eating everything under the sun. I mean, it didn't matter what it was. There was no, there was nothing off limits. I was eating burgers, uh, steaks, uh, French fries, didn't matter. I was just downing as much calories as I could possibly get, get into me. And I got back up to 195 pounds. Actually, I gained about 30 pounds in those three months, which is not necessarily healthy, but, um, I knew that most of it was, you know, there was a good amount of muscle mass there, but there was a lot of fat there as well. Mm-hmm. And I, and at the month at the, in January was when I was going to start dieting down and I started talking to the guys, okay, now what do I do? And they were giving me basically a low calorie, low fat, uh, diet to start, to start. And as I started doing it, I started, I, I was doing a lot of research about the paleo diet at the time. And I was doing a lot of research about low fat diets and, you know, uh, and then high fat diets. And I, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to do like a kind of a a hybrid of what these guys are talking about. Like, I'm not going to necessarily, I'm going to keep my, my proteins, um, fairly lean, but you know, I'm going to, besides like, I'm not going to go white fish. I was supposed to, it was like white fish, chicken, broccoli, and rice. That was supposed to be my meals. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I'm not doing that. I'm getting my carbs in from sweet potatoes. I'm going to get my, I'm going to get my good fats in by use, by eating grass fed meats, um, and having like things like avocado. And I'm going to go, I'm going to start like bringing my, uh, protein up. I'm, uh, I'm I, the first, the first time I did my competition, I did protein shakes and such, um, which were, you know, egg protein, Rob Roy. That was my, that was my thing, my staple. And that's what I focused on. And I started just eliminating the carbs, but I didn't eliminate, I didn't cut down. This is the thing that changed for me. I didn't cut down my calories to like what most people would do, which would be like around a thousand calories or something. I kept my calorie intake fairly high, but just changed my macronutrients to where I was almost doing completely keto. And I had fantastic results. And which everybody told me was going to happen, which never happened. I never got the brain fog. I never got like, uh, like hangry, you know, hungry and angry all the time. I was eating 
almost all the time. I mean, I felt like I was eating all the time. I felt like I was satiated all the time. And my body fat just kept dropping off and dropping off and dropping off. And I got down to 5% body fat. I got back down to just under 170. And I looked at, you know, at 36 years old, I looked more jacked than I had ever looked in my life. And I, you know, and I, and that's when I realized, holy cow, the, like if I could do like a combination of like paleo and keto, uh, throughout the process of prepping, this is, this is really, and keto at that point, I was 36. It was, I mean, that was four years ago, almost five years ago. Uh, it was hardly on the map at the time. You know, I mean, nobody was talking about keto. So that was basically the journey. It's crazy the the difference. I mean, I'm I'm blown away that keto from a prep st- standpoint, like a contest prep standpoint, is not more mainstream than it is now. I mean, like all the the bro dieting out there, they all tell you, you know, keep your keep your carbs high, keep your protein high, taper your fat, taper your carbs as you go, and you just feel like a zombie, you know. And I've done it both yeah. ways now, and like having done it with keto, there's like no no comparison. I felt way better. Totally agree. Totally agree. And I think it's the fact, you know why is because we need that fat for our, mo- for our brains. We need that to function. And that's why everybody walks around with this like foggy head, angry all the time. We just don't have that balance. And I think, I think I've never prepped officially with keto. I, you know, I, I was doing it, but I didn't, you know, I didn't even know I was technically doing it at the mm-hmm. time. And, uh, and, I, and I ended up in that competition, I ended up taking fifth place Um, and it was a, it was not a drug tested competition. So I was actually really happy about that. The guy that won, I was like, I'll never look like that. That guy was tremendous. And I was just like this, unless I do drugs, there's no way I'm going to get up to that level. Um, or just like quit my job and, and, you know, and just like train three, four hours a day. Like it was just, it was a bananas. Uh, so I ended up signing up for a drug tested, um, uh, competition that was three months later or maybe four months later. And I ended up taking first in that one. Um, and, yeah, and that was, that was, that was pretty awesome. I think I even looked better in the first one. However, I, you know, I did better in the second one because there was, the competition was not as, not as strong. So, yeah. and the longer you're prepping, like you start, you peak and then anything beyond that, you start to actually lose some of your hardness and definitions. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think that's probably what happened to me, of course. So, so yeah, so that was, yeah, go ahead. Bring us up to speed on, so that, that was what time frame roughly? That was, uh, that was. Four, four or five years ago. And since then, right after I finished that competition is when I, uh, I decided, you know what, I think I should start a YouTube channel. And I talked to a friend of mine who was working at, um, how I met your mother, the TV show. Mm -hmm. He was one of the, like the producers, some things. And I I can't remember exactly what he did on the show. And, but he also produced the, how I met your mother podcast. So when I went to him, I was like, Hey man, would you be interested in doing my YouTube channel? He's like, man, he goes, I have all the equipment for a podcast. If you're interested, uh, let's do that. I think it would be much more interesting. And I go, what's a podcast? And he's just like, oh, you got to check this shit out. So we, uh, so basically we would, I would show up at Fox studios every week and we would do, we did a podcast and ours was totally different than it is now. At the beginning, it was like, have you ever heard of a T of a a radio show called car talk or Mm -hmm. love lines? I love car talk. Okay. So two guys, right? 
um, people call in, they say, my, my engine's making this noise. And it's like, what do I do? And then they, then they joke around and then they give real advice. Right. Yeah. So that's kind of their, mo their model. Same thing with, uh, same thing with love lines. People call in, uh, they say, you know, I can't, I'm having uh, my, my boyfriend can't get it up, whatever it is. Then, uh, Adam Carolla <laughs> makes fun of the guy for like, uh, for, for like two or the girl for like two or three minutes. And then, and then Dr. Drew gives the real advice. Right. And then, and then Adam Carolla will also chime in with some real advice. Well, my buddy, Jeff Meacham, who again was the first, you know, uh, co-host on my show, he is hilarious. He's on that show, uh, that blackish on, uh, I think it's NBC or ABC. I can't remember the networks. Um, but he's on, he's, he's on that show and he's, he's just a really funny guy. So our, our idea was let's do car talk for fitness where people call in, they ask us questions and we make fun of them for a couple of minutes and then we give them some real life advice and how to, and how to fix that. And we did that for all of like two weeks. Um, because then we realized, do you know how annoying it is to try to do a podcast that's not live and get like my producer, my co-host, myself, and then like three different callers to call in at an exact time. So we're not like sitting around wasting time. It was, it was a total, nightmare, uh, yeah. total scheduling nightmare. So we eventually evolved into doing, you know, doing more interview style like you do. Um, and that's how we did it for a long time. Just interviews. And now my wife has been incorporated into this. And now every other episode, we uh, we do one specifically about a specific topic, whether it be, uh, you know, how to organize your life or whatever it is, because we're a little more lifestyle than just uh, specifically nutrition or fitness. And then we will interview someone like you who does something a little more specialized and we dig in, we get to know them and then we and then we share that with our audience. So it's like they get to choose what they'd like to do our audience. And the whole reason, the whole impetus behind me like agreeing to do the podcast uh, was I have always had like this weird fear of talking to people that um, where their careers are so much beyond where I am. And I felt like I should, you know, a part of my OCD is not accepting that I, I have uh, that I'm not there yet. Right. Part of my pro part of one of the things that I struggle with is feeling like I should know everything mm -hmm. uh, prior to ever studying it or, or even trying it. Like I need to like I need to really master it first time. Otherwise, I'm going to be pretty pissed at myself. Um, so if I talk to someone like if I was talking to you and it was early on, I would feel really intimidated talking about the ketogenic diet unless I spent hours and hours and hours studying and knowing everything about it so I can have an, an intelligent conversation with you. And now I realize like that's not my that's not what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to let you be the expert and and ask you questions because that's what my audience actually that's what my audience deserves. They need to hear kind of the more um, you know basic questions to help bring them up to speed. And we all kind of like we all kind of learn together. So that was that was kind of how the the podcast was born and how I think and one of the reasons why I think we have like a, a fantastic show. Yeah, and, and podcasting's cool, man. Like, even if, if you know the answer to some of the stuff that your guest is speaking on, you have to assume that your audience may not. So you want to, like, bring that out in the description so that, you know, anybody listening could, could be able to pick it apart and kind of distinguish what, what the message is. Yeah, exactly. Like, you, the more you know about me going in, the more you know about your guest going in, the better you can lead the conversation. Right. So like if I if I know about you and I know about your your childhood and how you grew up and how you were, you know, you you know, you obsessed about being strong, you obsessed about being, you know, being fit, you obsessed about the first time. And it's like I can I can lead that conversation now because I know where to go rather than just being surprised in the moment and totally missing something that might have been really, really interesting because I just skipped to the next thing.
Yeah. That's one of the reasons why, like, you, when you and I first started talking, you're like, well, let's just start with the introduction and see where this conversation goes. I love that. I had a, I was interviewed uh, recently on a podcast, and I would he would ask me a question, I would give him an answer, and there was zero follow up on the question, like on what I just talked about. There's zero follow up. Like, next question, uh, and then I would answer that question, and zero follow up. Next question, you know. So it, like there was no personality to it, uh, and I think that's really important when you when you do host the podcast and you're talking to people that are within the same you know the same uh, realm as you. You want to dig in. You want to really get to know them, which is, I think, one of the best things about a podcast, like fly on the wall for like two interesting people. Yeah, you know? absolutely, man. Like I used to listen to all kinds of podcasts and like you start producing your own and you don't get to listen to it. Any, but I mean, I'll just yep. pick people that I want to learn something from that I'll just like selfishly ask questions that I want to know the answer to. And it winds up creating a piece of content that other people would also want to listen to. <laughs> Agreed. A hundred percent. That's the best way to do it. Hundred percent. Well, let's let's dive into um, just kind of like how you've got everything structured right now. So you've got you know, you're doing the podcast, and then you know you're, you're doing the. Are you still doing the training? Yeah, I do. Per- so the way that I structure it right now, my business is three days a week. I do personal training, uh, Monday, Wednesday, Fridays. Uh, I, my whole goal is to restructure this where I eliminate the Monday one the Monday, Wednesday, Fridays uh, to at least a minimum because my wife and I are pregnant. We're having our first baby in August. Uh, we're having a little baby girl, and right now I get up at 4.30 in the morning on Monday, Wednesday, Fridays. I'm at the gym or at a client's house actually at 5.30. Then I go straight to the gym, and I'm there bouncing around from either clients or staying at the gym until 6 p.m. at night. And then I don't – it's about a 45-minute drive home, so I'm not back home until about 6.45, 7 o'clock. Then I cook dinner. Then we uh, – then I'm trying to be in bed by – I try to be in bed by 8.30, 9. Because I, I try to kind of do the – you know who uh, Craig Ballantyne is? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so like Craig Ballantyne has the perfect day formula and you like wake up at 4 – like try to keep it the same time every single day. So I try to keep I try to keep my wake-up time at 4.30 every day. Like today, we had our call at 10. I had, a, I had a mastermind meeting today at 7.30. I'm up at 4.30 so I can get a couple of hours of, of work in before I ever hit the ground, like I, before I even get started with my day. Um, and that helps me kind of get the ball rolling because there's less interruptions, less emails. Um, and I can keep, I can really stay focused on what really needs to get important, the important thing done off my plate before the day really begins. I'd love to dive into waking up early because that's something that a lot of people feel that they need to do and struggle mm-hmm. with doing. So like, is there anything that you've done, any oh, hacks, yeah. so to speak, that you've used to kind of ensure that you're able to wake up with energy and actually get stuff done? Totally. And I'll give you I'll give you a like somebody that you should talk to on your show is a guy named Sean Stevenson. He wrote a book called Sleep Smarter. I'm not sure if you've ever interviewed him, but he also has a phenomenal podcast, the uh, the model. Yeah, the uh, model health show, the model health show. So I've had him on my show twice. He's he's amazing. But, you know, there's some things that I learned in there, but easy, easy hacks that you can that you can implement because you're 100 percent right in order to get up in the morning, you have to plan your day the next day. So if, I mean, you have to plan your day the day before, right? So for, if I'm getting up at 4.30 and I have to be at a client's house by 5.30, I'm only really giving myself about a half an hour to 40 minutes in the morning before I gotta leave. There's nobody on the road at that time of the morning, so I can get places in like 15 minutes, 20 minutes um, in LA. (laughs) LA, you could pretty much be anywhere if there's nobody on the road in about 20 minutes. Uh, Otherwise, it's an hour plus sometimes. Yeah. Um, So... So if I'm getting up at 4.30, I have – I do everything that I would do the morning of the night before. 
So I get my coffee, I get that prepped, I set the timer on that, that goes off at 421. So when, the, when my alarm goes off at 430, it takes exactly nine minutes for my coffee to brew. So at, at 430, when my alarm goes off, I also hear the coffee pot going off. So that's, so it's like great because I wake up and I have that set to go. Uh, I prep my, as I'm getting ready for bed, I boil, uh, I, I make my eggs. I usually have like anywhere from three to four eggs that I'll take with me to work in the morning as kind of my breakfast while I'm working with clients. It's just, uh, it's just, it's just so easy to get the eggs in and not have to like sit down for like food and eat with a fork and a knife or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Um, so I have those prepped. I have like a, like a specific way that I make my eggs. It's, you know, boil a, maybe less than an inch of water. Uh, once it comes to a boil, which takes about 45 seconds because you're not boiling that much water, uh, then you turn it down and you put the eggs in and they're basically steaming. You cover it and you set it for nine minutes. Once the alarm goes off, I just turn it off and I let it sit there until I'm almost, until I'm basically ready for bed. Uh, I put my, throughout this whole process, I have my blue blocker glasses on. So basically, uh, just like these, it makes everything orange in your life. Uh, which, uh, have you ever used blue blockers? Do you use them? No, but I've seen several people use them and I've, I've been intrigued by them. I'd like to try them. Are they worth it? It makes, yeah, you can get it for 20 bucks on, on Amazon. I can send you a link if you want. Um, just remind me and I'll send you the link that I used. I think they're like 20 maybe or 30 bucks, but there are ones that go up to like 65 bucks, but you don't need that. You just, you just basically what you need is just something that eliminates the blue light. Mm -hmm. And the reason is, it's like, if you think about it, when we are, we are naturally designed to go to bed after sundown, right? Just like human, you know, that's the sun starts to go down. Now, when you put those blue blockers on, it, it just basically mimics sunset in your house. Everything feels like the sun's going down. Everything has that kind of like orange tint that you wouldn't see at the end of the day when the sun is going down. Mm -hmm. and you just keep those on for at least an hour. And even if you're going to be watching TV or if there's things happening like within before that hour, um, you can have them on. You can have them on right since right after dinner, um, which sometimes I do. I just put them on to kind of get prepped. Um, and then that helps me kind of get in the mood of like I know that I'm gearing down for the day. And then I just I eliminate my phone. I just I plug it in, put my set my alarm for 430. I put it in my drawer, put it on airplane mode. So this way I'm not getting those radio waves. Um, and then after that, I make sure that I'm there's no electronics in my room after that. And I usually instead of sometimes I'll read, which is very, very helpful. But other times what I do is I just I keep a list next to my bed um, or, or a pad and I just sit and I write for now I have certain things that I'm trying to do, which is be like my gratitude journal, things like that, which I haven't gotten good at yet. Uh, the thing that I have gotten good at is I literally go through my day and I make all the lists of everything that I know that I have to get done the next day. And 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 in order to get over my anxiety of it, like my OCD of it, because otherwise what I'll do and I don't know if you struggle with this as well is. I'll wake up early and my mind will start racing on what I need to get done. But because I have so many things on my mind, uh, I have, I wake up with a complete overwhelm. And so it doesn't, it doesn't get for, it doesn't make for restful sleep, any of that. So what I do is I make a list of all the things and then I, and then I organize them by priority and I write down, you know, one through 10, 15, whatever it is. And I know that that's when I know that before my day starts, these are the things that are going to get done before my day starts. I know that I'll get at least one or two off that list that are the most important. And Smart. that al and that allows me to, um, that allows me to like just have a peace of mind as I fall asleep that I don't have. You know when you're going to bed, 
Robert, and you go into bed and you start to uh, you start to fall asleep, and all of a sudden your mind just starts racing about, oh God, I got to remember that, I got to remember that, I got to remember that. Yes, oh, don't forget that. Okay, I'll do that when I get up in the morning. And then you wake up in the morning, and you're like, what the hell was? I knew that was something I had to do. Oh my God, what was it? And you're just sitting there and you're just like driving yourself bananas trying to think of it. Just this is the one thing that has like has stopped me from having to do that. I've been um, using Google Calendar. Like anytime I have like a call scheduled or anything, I'll put it in Google Calendar the moment I know about it. That yeah. way, like I know it's got it's on, it's on the cloud. I can access it from my computer or my phone. That way, I never forget any of it. Oh yeah, I mean, look, you should see my Google Calendar. My well, actually, I use iCalendar um, because it's all synced up with my iPhone and my laptops and everything. But um, everything is color coordinated. So my, all my clients are red, all of my, uh, the podcast calls and such, those are like a light brown. My workouts are blue. My, you know, my, um, my admin work is green. So I have everything laid out, color coordinated. So this way, when I look at my day, I have an, I have a mental idea of what's going to come. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's color coordinated and just simply documenting things, having them laid out. Like I cannot put into words how important that is. It just, it alleviates if if you live if you feel like you're overwhelmed all the time, which I think there's probably ninety percent of people feel like they're overwhelmed most of the time with too many things on their plate, you need to start putting together some systems for yourself and whatever that is, whether it's keeping a calendar on paper, keeping it on your Google iPhone, whatever it is, uh, you need to start getting organized so this way you get stuff. You know, you ever heard? You know who you, is a great guy to interview is a guy named uh, David uh, David Allen. Have you heard of him? Mm-hmm. He, he he has that book. If no, if nobody's heard of it, it's called uh, it's called Getting Things Done. Love that. And book. it's and it's his whole entire philosophy is get it out of your head. Your head is not for holding information. Your head is for having ideas and think and can, and thinking about things. And so you want to get those ideas out of your head as soon as possible. So you can just like have room in there. It's like having enough RAM. So you, this way your your mind has has that capacity to move around and function. Uh, we get all cluttered up with all the things that we're trying to juggle in our minds. Like, I got to drop the kids off. I got to make dinner tonight. I got to remember to uh, make that phone call when I get home to make that appointment with the doctor. Like, there's just all these things that we have. Uh, but if we can get them on paper, get them in our Google Calendar, get them, you know, just get them, email yourself, or whatever system that you want to create for yourself in order to organize your life, it takes some implementation. It takes some work to do that. But it makes, I mean, it's there's going to be like, you know, there's stumbling along the way, obviously. But it gets it gets better over time, and, and and then you just like one less thing to have to worry about, and that's that's why that's like basically, <laughs> it's like the like the, so as much pressure as we could take take off of ourselves in life, the better, don't you think? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I'm all for automation. You know, anything that that I don't need to put forth brain cells to think of. You know, I'm all about. It. Like I literally have gone through my house, and anything that I don't use on a day to day basis, I just have gotten rid of it. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. I got to I got to be more like that. That's something that I need to work on. Like is just getting rid of clutter. Yeah, I mean, I'm, when you know, we moved, we're not like pack we went, rats, but yeah, we, we went minimalistic, minimalistic when we moved and since then we just haven't accumulated much crap. And I, I tell you man, like my my brain function is is, you know, gone tenfold because I just don't have the clutter in my life anymore and it's I'm much more efficient. Oh, I buy that. I buy that. Yeah. I mean, when your house is a mess, you feel like you can't do anything. Mm-hmm. You, you feel completely you, yeah when you're when your kitchen's a mess you feel like you can't focus on anything you know and then that's the thing that's like well i have all this stuff to get done but i'm gonna procrastinate and go clean the kitchen right now 
which yeah, is I do that all the time. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like there's just so many things on my plate right now, but I got to go clean the kitchen. I got to go straighten up. And we, you know, we use those things as our excuse. But at the same time, if the house was just clean, our, our minds can be, fo- you know, can be clear to just focus on what is important. You know, what, what are some like lifestyle hacks or not even hacks, just like practices that you would like to implement and know are good, but you haven't really doubled down on and actually made a habit out of yet? I think that, you know, uh, part of, that's a good one. There's, I mean, shit, there's just so many things, <laughs> you know, there's just never ending. Um, I would like to get more consistent with like my, with, you know, with my water intake, I would like to get more consistent with, um, you know, with like doing things with my wife is a big one. You know, we focus so much on work. We focus so much on like getting our lives in order for this baby that we kind of lose focus on ourselves and something that we used to have, which we, my wife literally wrote me a card and left it at my desk, um, that I read yesterday. And she's, we used to have this thing. It's just like left me a, like a love note kind of thing, which was kind of, was really cute. Um, but she said, um, she says, let's get back to the date night, right? Because we used to have, or it was a date day. We used to have every Sunday was Robin Devin day. And we would, we would basically wouldn't hang out with anybody. Like if you were, fr- you, you were friends with us and you know, and you lived in LA and you're like, Hey, you guys want to come over for brunch on Sunday? We'd be like, sorry, we can't. It's Robin Devin day. And so we would always do something just the two of us on that day where nothing interrupted it. And that's like a great way to keep your relationship really kind of you know, you have to revisit it. You have to work that thing, you know, like you, if you're not working your relationship, it gets, it can get really far out from, from, from you, you know, where you have to like, you, you create distance. And once you have that distance between you, it's really hard to kind of pull it back together and really connect on a regular basis. So we've been, you know, this, I guess is personal, but we've been working so hard lately prepping for the baby. And, and so that was her way of reaching out to me and going, Hey, let's, Let's make this important, and that's part of the communication with each other and having that 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 conversation. So, so that would be that would be like the biggest thing for me is really just like is being able to, you know, be more present and not you know and not necessarily so driven uh, and so focused on you know all the other things that probably at the end of the road at the end of the at the end of the day really aren't all that important. It's kind of crazy. Like my uh, so like my girlfriend, you know, she's like six weeks out for her first competition and she's like just in the tunnel vision zone right now um which mm-hmm. is what she needs to be but like I, I can totally relate with you like her and i i mean i can't even tell the last time we went on a date because like we're just both really really busy and when you're working you know like kind of job setting where you can pretty much like unplug once you clock out for the day it becomes much easier to you know go on a day to go do something after work and you just both meet up for dinner or something but when you are working in your own business you're you're an entrepreneur you're both doing something similar that is your passion like what you're doing you know is your passion what I'm doing is my passion it becomes much harder to disconnect and carve out that time because you don't necessarily dislike the time you're spending on working on your task oh totally agree you have to be able to there has to be a a, a point where you're able to hang your hat you know like it's the end of the day uh, let me take that work hat off and let me go put my husband hat on or my or my boyfriend hat on or my dad hat on and and really start playing that role. You know, when and I, I completely agree with you. I, I envy sometimes and I don't know how you feel, but I because I know I think you started in, in corporate or something, but I somewhat envy the people that are the nine to fivers because it's like they can at five o'clock punch out 
and then just head to, you know, head to the bar, head to Applebee's and just have a couple of beers with their friends and drink and eat some, you know, appetizers. And that's like their lifestyle. Um, and it's just like, it, there's like, there's no, there's no stress. It seems like, you know, it's just like the same thing. And there are t- people, some people are totally fine with that. But if you have like a passion to do something, something that you want to either achieve in your life or something that you want, like you're really driven to, to succeed at, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's a tougher road because five o'clock comes around and you're like, I just got to get a couple more things done. And then seven o'clock comes around and you're just like, I just got to get this done before I got to go to bed. And then the next thing you know, it's like, holy crap. It's like, I should have went to bed an hour ago. And you're just, you're just, and the workload will never go away. It never goes away as an entrepreneur. There's always more to do. You're having constant ideas, how to improve your business. Every time you have an idea, that just means more work. Uh, It just never, never ends. So the important thing for guys like you and me is, okay, uh, I know that this, that my brain will never stop thinking the way that it thinks. My brain is very creative. I love thinking of ideas. I have post-its taped to the bottom of my computer of websites that I, that I have ideas for, different kinds of things that I want to do that I don't want to forget about. I have them all on my computer and I'm just like, I, I just have to remind myself, just keep your eye on the ball, just keep your eye on the priority that is that day's thing. And then when you get that thing done, be okay. Like it's six or seven o'clock at night. Just be okay with the fact that you didn't get everything done because it'll never all be done and just make a list for the next day. And then you can walk away from your desk. And that is easier said than done, (laughs) you know, way easier said than done. But it's, it's, um, it's the one thing that I've had over and I've gotten better and better and better at over the last five and 10 years is incorporating health into that same crazy schedule. Um, like for the entrepreneur being, I can push away from my desk and do my workouts. When I go into the kitchen, it's not full of Doritos and potato chips and pretzels and pizza and delivery foods from like the night before the week before it's full of like all like healthy meats. It's full of like, you know, batch cooked foods. Like right now I have a, uh, Buffalo chicken casserole that is going to be my lunch today. And that is my, you know, like that's the stuff that I try to keep in the fridge at all times. So this way I don't have to worry about that. And I've gotten really good at making that a priority when making dinner. I cook two or three meals rather than just one. Um, you know, my wife is just, she's in tune with that as well. So the, the, in the in-house community is in flow, which is a big problem for a lot of people when one person wants to be healthy and the other person couldn't care less. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's an uphill battle. Um, so that's the thing, that's the thing that I think differentiates me as an entrepreneur than the average entrepreneur. And it's actually something I help with cause I have a lot of entrepreneurs that I coach one-on-one online that I help to organize their life. Because it's all about creating space, right? I mean, if you have zero space in your life to be healthy, I mean, it's it's always – when you do like – even if you're like squeezing it in, squeezing it in, squeezing it in, the first thing on the chopping block is going to be the the, the eating healthy, the workouts, the just the meditations, uh, drinking the water. These are going to be the things that are off the chopping block to start. And everybody, I guarantee you, everybody listening who's struggled with their weight, struggled with being healthy cons- on a consistent basis, that has been – the, the, the yo-yo, the back and forth. It's like, I did so well for a week or two. Uh, but now it's like, I can't manage it in my schedule anymore. It's because you really didn't create space. You didn't really create the space for it. You didn't create the systems for making your life a little bit easier. Um, what you did was you just crammed it into the already busy life. And that only works for however long you can handle that. Uh, until somebody, until something happens like a work deadline or you're maybe somebody got in your family gets sick or maybe you get sick. 
And it's like, well, that's no, now it's like, it's gone. I can't keep that up anymore. So now I've fallen off and I've lost my momentum and good luck getting started again. Flash forward another year lost of, you know, gaining another 10 pounds. And, and here we are again, you know, new year's and, and, uh, and you're starting to create all these resolutions and it's just like this, it's the cycle for everyone. Yeah, so. I, I agree. When I, when I built Keto Savage, I, I took a very long, hard approach uh, to how I wanted to, I kind of like reverse engineered my ideal day, basically. And mm. I asked myself, you know, what could I do? What systems could I put in place so that, you know, the work that I had to do in a 24 hour period was exactly how I'd want to live my life in the first place. Um, and it's kind of become the premise of what it is now. But I mean, there's there's times where like when I'm launching something, you know, like I'll, I'll wind up skipping a workout or two and then I have to like gut check myself and be like, wait a minute, you know, I'm supposed to be in the embodiment of health and here I am not training. So I've got to like re, re reorganize here and get, get back on track because this is kind of like I'm being hypocritical right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think a lot of, uh, health entrepreneurs struggle with the feeling hypocritical because, and that's, I think, you know, not to necessarily speak to to, to what you might be struggling with, but I, I can speak for myself in that I think I have to be perfect at this, you know, and I think that, uh, you know, I can't struggle because if I struggle, that means that I'm not necessarily the role model that everybody's expecting me to be. And that is just such a warped view of what healthy is. It's just not that. Like we, we are going to fall off. We are going to make mistakes. We are going to be lazy sometimes. We're going to be depressed sometimes. We're going to struggle with things. And we have to be able to accept that as a human being, we all go through those issues. And so we can't get, we just like, it, like I think that we, we probably lay that, lay that pressure on ourselves more than the average person, but the average person does it too. I'm not taking away the average person's like anxiety over getting really mad at themselves for having had had dessert the night before and just like kind of derailing their weight loss and not, and not feeling good about themselves. Um, it's just, you know, it's, it is, it is a struggle. Yeah, it is a sure. consistent struggle. What, what is your take on, I'd be very curious to hear your answer on this, but what is your take on like balance, like finding balance in life versus just like being an extremist? Because I think I have like probably a controversial view on balance. Um, I, I'm going to assume that you think that things shouldn't be in balance um, and that balance is just kind of a, a like a kind of a bullshit term. Um, but, but, you know, I don't think, look, there's things like the wheel of wellness where you can, you can do, you can like shade in the areas in, in your life to find out what are you really focusing on right now and what are you, and what are you like avoiding completely in your life, right? And so it all depends on what you really deem to be important. Make a list of the important things in your life. Like obviously your relationship is important to you. Obviously your health is important to you. Your business is important to you. Um, I don't, I don't, maybe there's, you know, whatever it is, there's, let's say those three things. Well, you look at those three things. If you say they are important to you, then they should all be, they don't, they don't have to ever be equal, right? They don't have to be ever be balanced, but you will focus on one more than the other at certain times in your life. And you'll, you know, you'll just kind of bounce around from one being more important than the other. The only time when you feel like your life is completely unbalanced, right? Quote unquote unbalanced is when you lose, you lose, uh, or you, you kind of, you, you lose that handle on the thing that is supposed to be important in your life and you're, and, 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 and you're only focusing on one thing. So for example, like, 
you guys, you guys are might be struggling with your relationship right now because, and I'm not putting like I'm not I'm not projecting it. I'm just saying you might be because because Crystal's focusing on her on her competition. I know what that takes. It takes a lot of like just tunnel vision to get that stuff done. You're focusing on the business, and that means that you guys are in two different headspaces. She's in her personal win. You are in your personal win. And basically, where do you guys meet in between? And now the relationship is the third part of that puzzle, let's say, right? Her relationship, your business, and then like your own personal fitness. But right now, you know, there's a disconnect potentially between the two of you. So it's not, that's fine. That's totally fine because that's how life works. It just depends on how long you let that disconnect go mm -hmm. and whether or not you, you just kind of like look across the, look across the lane, right? Of Like you guys are in two different lanes right now. You guys look across that, that, you know, however, ex however expansive that lane is and you look across each other and you check in and you go, baby, I, you know, I know that you're focusing on this right now. I know that I'm focusing on this right now. I feel like I'm not that connected with you, but you know, I love you. And I, and I just, you know, I just want you to know that and that I'm here for you if you need me. Um, and you know, let's, let's, you know, and whatever, maybe it means like, let's just have dinner tonight. Obviously I'll cook for you. Then it'll be something that's in line with what you want to achieve. But you know, let's just have dinner tonight, just the two of us. And we'll just relax and we'll talk no TV, no nothing. So we can connect for a little bit. And it might only take that maybe once every couple of weeks for the duration of your, for the, of the challenge or whenever you guys reach that deadline and you can get back together and get kind of start focusing more on that relationship. And that that's kind of how balance works in my opinion. Yeah, I don't think I, everything, I you know, I don't think everything has to be equal all the time. That's just not realistic. We need to focus on things sometimes and put a lot more attention on one thing as opposed to an, like all things. Does yeah, that make sense? I a hundred percent agree. I think a lot of people try and just, you know, put like an even weight with all aspects of their life. And then as, as a result, like, you know, they're jack of all trades and master at none and like nothing really excels. And like, I'm an extremist at heart. Like I just, I double down on the things that I'm hot on, that I'm hot on and I just give it everything I have. Um, and I think like that works well for me. I don't suggest that that's the best for everybody, but for, for me trying to like, you know, have an even keel across the board, like everything would suffer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, look, uh, do you mind me asking how old you are? 26. Okay. So you're 26. Um, in 10 years, that priority might change completely. Yeah. You guys might, you guys get, might get married. You might have kids. Uh, I don't know if that's something that you want. Uh, but life changes. You might move into, a, you know, move into a different community. Your business might change completely in 10 years. So your priorities, you know, it, it's, they're ever evolving. Right. We're going to have a kid in August. I know I cannot focus on business as much as I do. I know that I'm going to have to give my family more attention than I normal than I than I than I even can comprehend giving because I feel like my life is so unbelievably full. Right. So it's OK. Right now, this is the this is the structure and will in which you've built your life. But everything is ever changing. Well, so it's OK that you think that this is you know, this this works for you right now. Fantastic. Yeah, who yeah. Ca who cares what it's going to I mean, you just, don't, you just let it work for you now. And, and then in, in, in a month from now, it might change in a year from now, 10 years from now, it might be totally different. What, uh, what, with regard to you having a kid, this is your first kid? Yeah, yeah. And you being an entrepreneur, like, you know, building the business from the ground up and having the passion, the drive that you do with that. Like, what is going through your mind? Because I mean, some, someday, I'm probably gonna have a kid, <laughs> yeah. you know, maybe. Yeah. And I just like, can't even begin to fathom like, I would feel I, I don't want to have a kid until I feel like I've I've built the foundation that allows me to, you know, have the flexibility and the freedom that I want with my kid. But in all honesty, like there's always going to be another big thing. There's always going to be another big project. So there's never, it's never going to stop. Like I realize that. So like yeah. for you, 
you know, I, I'm just kind of asking selfishly here because I'm curious. I have no idea how I'm going to handle that. So what's gone through your head? No, that's a, that's actually a really good question because there's a lot of you know potentially young dads out there that are considering the same exact thing, and I think it's I think it's important to think about it. Um, what's going through my head? Fear, Robert. Fear. Uh, not knowing. Uh, what's going to happen? Not knowing what my life is going to become. The fact that I already have, I, I already feel like I'm, you know, uh, trying to manage so many things. Uh, I think, I think I remember. I'm not sure if you're still invested, but you guys have some rental properties or something like that that you bought at some point. Mm -hmm. That you're you're invested in certain things. We do the same. We have a couple of Airbnbs. We have a four unit property here in Los Angeles, and we just like we we have a lot of. I think we have six different businesses. My wife and I. She does most of the tax stuff. She's that. She's the brainy one. And that in that field. But like we have a lot of balls in the air at all times. And it feels like our life is unbelievably full. I mean, we you ever go to a party and somebody's like, hey, that was so much fun. Let's hang out sometime. And you're like, I just met you. I have I have like I have so many friends I haven't seen in forever. I I, I was really great meeting you. But there's no way I'm going to be able to squeeze you into my life. Like my life feels so unbelievably full. Yeah. And to bring a baby into that is scary. You know, because I know that I'm going to be uh, everything is going to be batting down the hatches. What's important? The only important things are going to take place. And I'm actually there's a kind of an excitement for me because it, every dad that I talk to says it, your priorities completely shift. And I'm like, what do you mean they shift? He's like, well, it becomes unbelievably clear what's important. And it's like, oh, I can't wait for that. I'm actually because I feel like everything is really important to me. Um, it could be pretty liber liberating. Yeah, I can see that for sure. I think, I mean, I think so. I hope so. <laughs> you know, like that's my, that's my, that's my, my wish for when it comes, but I know that I'm going to be sleep deprived. I'm sure I know that I'm going to be, you know, Devin's not going to be working. So I'm going to be stressed about making sure that we make enough money to, you know, to, to, for all of this to work and function properly. So, uh, yeah, it, it's, but you know what, at some point, Robert, you got to take a leap. I'm, I'm 40, I'll be 41 next month. And my wife is 36. And it was like, it was either now or never, yeah. you know? 36 is like the basically it's the year for a woman. If she's not going to do it, she's going to have to start harvesting eggs. She's going to you're going to have to go through maybe potentially an in vitro process. Um, and that's that's a whole bag of worms that you either you have to like you have to dive in if you're going to do that. And then you're all then you're all in for wanting to have kids. We were like, we want to have kids. Let's try. We were lucky. We got well, we were lucky and not lucky. We got pregnant right away over the summer. And then we ended up having a miscarriage a couple, uh, like two months in. And um, that was kind of heartbreaking. But at the same time, it made us realize how much we really wanted to have kids, which mm -hmm. was kind of, it's like, wow, okay. We were, we were like, we were so scared to get pregnant. And then when we did get pregnant, we were just so excited to, you know, to have a baby. And then we lost it and we were like, let's get pregnant again. Like, you know, like it was like, we got to get pregnant as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. Cause this was, we were, now we realized, oh my God, how excited we were. And the first time getting pregnant is the scariest, especially if you're trying, you're just like, you just don't, you don't know who you are. You don't know who you are as a, as a, you want to be able to, I love my parents, but there's like lots of different things. My parents didn't teach me. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's a lot of holes in my personality and a lot of holes in my, in my adult learning based on the fact that like, I didn't get certain things from my parents. And they, again, they're great parents, but they, they got pregnant. My mom was 19, I think. My dad was 22 or 23. They were kids. They didn't know anything, you know, like, and I'm not, you know, you're 26, so you're not that far off too. So it's like, but there's like, I have, I have, you know, I have another 14 years of life, you know, to, to think about this. If you were, if you were talking to a 12 year old, 
right? And the 12 year old is like, I want to, you know, like, I, I feel like I've got a pretty good handle on things. You're like, wait, listen, you know, get the 26 and then we'll talk. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like every, every decade that you, that you're on this earth, there's so much that you're just like, you, you just, you realize like how much, like how complicated life is, how important relationships are, how important your personal health is and like everything involves. And I wanted to be able to teach that health was not a conversation in my family, uh, being emotionally aware of what's going on and, and having conversations about that and actually diving into the, you know, why are you upset right now? Or my, my parents, um, you know, I don't know about, I, I, I know in your story, which is great. You talk about your OCD, my parents bred anxiety from me, uh, from the moment I was, you know, the, the moment I could remember, like I remember waking up at three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning because I didn't finish my homework and I would do my homework until I had to leave for school at like six thirty, seven o'clock, whatever it was. And my parents would give me a pat on the back. They'd be like, good, you're doing such a great job. You're, you're, you're making your studies so important. But what it was, was just, they were breeding an anxiety child who didn't know when to turn off, you yeah. know, didn't know how to just like ease off the throttle for a minute. And they basically allowed me to do that. And that's something that I, I will never do with my kid, you know, or at least I have to, I'm present to it. So it's what like is little your, lessons to that. What is your take? I mean, we're totally going off on a tangent now, but this is good. That's okay. What is your, uh, what is your take on like education? Like for your kids, are you going to like push, you know, formal education, college or what, what's your take on that? Um, well, we're going <laughs> to, well, education in Los Angeles is a, is a tricky thing. So it's like, so first we're going to just like try not to go broke putting our kids through, you know, preschool and then like potentially a charter school. We don't live in a great area. Uh, that's a thing that you're going to have to really consider. I, I don't know when you live outside of a major city, usually the school systems are much, much better. Um, the inner city school systems, whether it be New York, Los Angeles, Chicago, whatever, the inner city school systems are usually lackluster in the lower income areas. We live in a lower income area that is now becoming a higher income area. However, the schools are probably, you know, two decades behind in terms of really getting caught up. So we're going to have to put our kids in charter school as a, as in reference to going to college. I mean, I went to school for acting. The, the one thing that I really give my parents, uh, a, you know, credit for was not trying to control what it was that I was passionate about. Uh, they did, they did make me feel like whatever I did, I had to, I had to go full out and that I could, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't ease off the throttle, but, um, but they definitely made me feel like I can choose whatever I wanted to choose. My mom, I know initially wanted me to be, a, be me to be a doctor or a lawyer or a teacher. Uh, why a teacher in that mix? Uh, they make no money, but you know, uh, that's what my mom's dream was to have me be those, one of those three things. And when I told my mom I wanted to be an actor, she's just like, Great, you know, like do it. Like let's let's see how far you can go. Uh, and then that they became an obsession around that. But um, in terms of my own personal kids, um, I first first and foremost, I want my kid to find out what they really love to do. That's the most important thing. Mm -hmm. um, I would definitely encourage my child if they were going to college to take some kind of business classes. I think that no matter what, if you are an artist, if you're an actor, a painter, uh, you know, uh, whatever it is, if you make bicycles, I don't care. You, if you want to sell it and you want to make a, and you want to like have an income that's just yours that you're passionate about, having some understanding of business is so important. Um, I'm learning the hard way. I'm taking the long road that uh, in that. And I wish that I had, I wish that I had like learned that lesson early. I would just make it a recommendation, but I wouldn't make it a mandatory thing. 
uh, like an under undergrad or something like that, or maybe take some associates, uh, you know, program at a, at a community college in business just to get, just so the kid can get an understanding. Even if you're a doctor, you have to be good at business. Mm-hmm. I mean, people, uh, dentists, I know that my dentist ended up hiring a guy that is a online, uh, like a uh, business coach. And my dentist hired this guy who he's like, I, he, and my dentist is, does really well, but he has no, he had like no idea how to create online business. He, he doesn't like, there's something he just didn't know how to do. So just like laying a foundation for that is, is I think is really important potentially. Um, and that's just the entrepreneur talking in me. <laughs> you no, know, like, I totally agree. I mean, there's so many like life skills that no matter what your passion is, no matter what your vehicle for monetization is, I mean, if you don't have some of the basic business skills, then I mean, you're just, you're not going to make it very far. Yeah. You went to school for business, didn't you? Yeah. I went to school. I was supposed to be like a, like a stockbroker and that, that didn't really happen. But, uh, yeah, I went to school for business finance and, and uh, accounting. And uh, obviously that's helping you and what you're doing. Yeah. Honestly, a lot of what I've learned, uh, was I learned pretty much post school, but the one thing that, that going to school did teach me, it just kind of gave me some perspective, you know, like just simply like simply learning about stocks and then just seeing like the the money flow and like commercial banking and just realizing what was possible from like a biz, big business perspective, you know, it mm. got me hungry to to make and create more for myself. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. And I definitely didn't have that. Uh, they don't teach you that in acting school. <laughs> but acting is cool, man. I, I took some acting classes. Well, I, I would love acting. Well, you know, I think it's one of the reasons why I love doing the podcast is because it's I'm a very I think it's pretty obvious. I'm a very animated person. I love talking. I love having conversation. I love creating stories and telling stories. Um, And that's something that I that was probably one of the reasons why I got into acting in the first place was just being able to do that. And then when I gave up acting to be to, to get more into the fitness field. This now has become my outlet. This has become my way of, of performance in a sense. And it gives me, and also creating the business is very, very creative. And, you know, we're always solving problems. You're always coming up with solutions and thinking up new ideas. And then I get to deliver it via, you know, via a show, which yeah. is kind of awesome. You oh, know, super cool, man. Super cool. What, yeah. what, what do you think you're going to do with your kids with regard to like, you know, your passion in health and fitness and nutrition? Like if they just want to eat crap foods and not exercise what are you what's you going to be your take as a parent there well it's that's a that's a great question especially early on in the in in the in the house right so i was having i interviewed ben greenfield on my show uh at one point and, and it was funny because i sent him a message and i'm like uh just like you and i were like messaging each other before and i sent ben a message and he had completely forgotten that we were interviewing that day and so he's like, oh, he goes, so sorry, man. Like, I'm just about to sit down for dinner with my family. Uh, can we do this tomorrow? And I, at the time, was renting a studio that was like a two-hour window of like, of, of I was renting, I, I was paying a guy basically to use his studio so he can record the podcast for us. This was like a different t- phase in our podcasting life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, oh, man, I can't do that. I'm not, I'm not even going to be in the studio. I have no equipment at home. I can't do that. And uh, so he goes, unless you, unless you want to record while we're having dinner. And I was just like, I don't know if anybody's interviewed Ben Greenfield during dinner with his family. I was like, let's do it. So we jump on the call with him and they, it was like, so, and it was me and my producer and he was actually talking at the time and asked the question. He goes, so, and he had two kids and he goes, so Ben, I'm curious, like, what are you feeding your kids right now? Like, what does Ben Greenfield serve his kids? And he goes, well, right now, and it's so funny cause I'll never forget. He goes, right now I'm serving them. We're having elk, um, uh, broccoli, and a and what was the other thing the 
and spinach, right? Or something like that. It was like sweet potatoes and spinach. But I remember it was elk. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty impressive. He goes, and, and, and Alec asked him, he goes, how did you get your kids to eat elk? And he just goes, there's nothing else to eat. Like there's yeah. literally nothing else to eat in this house. Like, so it's like dinner is dinner. Um, we don't keep snacks in the house that are like, besides like raw nuts and such. Um, and I think that's the secret. When I was a kid, maybe I'm curious to hear uh, you as well. When I was a kid, Doritos, pretzels, potato chips, always in the, always in the cabinet, uh, in the lower cabinet, there was cookies, um, all different kinds of like, um, Entenmann's, uh, cupcakes and, and, uh, cakes and, and donuts all like they were spread all over the kitchen. So was, no matter what, what was happening, you always had sweets in the house. Um, and like savory, salty junk foods. And we don't keep that in our home. We, Devin and I don't have that here. The, the, the worst we ever get is like rice crackers that we might have left over after we've had some friends over and we put some cheese out and some, and some like, uh, charcuterie, you know, like some sliced prosciutto or something like that. That, yeah. and then we'll have that in the house for a couple of days and I'll devour that stuff because it's here because I love that stuff. But after that, it's gone, and I don't. We don't buy it. We don't keep it, and that's basically how it's going to be when we have kids. You know, so we're not going to be serving a, that stuff up. That's a great way to do it, man. I mean, like, I feel like I don't know. Like with my parents, they, I mean, they eat healthy foods, but like they would always have you know pretzels and cookies and sweets and stuff around too. And as a kid, it's easy to gravitate towards that. Um, but like with me, I don't eat anything except quality foods now. I don't waste anything. I don't throw any food away. Like I prep my meals and everything's just accounted for. And if I kind of like have that same mentality with my kids and that's what's just in the kitchen and that's what they have to choose from, then it's it's kind of like a non-issue. Yeah, and you have to be um, – this is something that I'm learning watching a lot of friends of ours because, you know, I don't know how many people in your in your circle of friends are having kids, but we're basically the last on the list. Mm -hmm. Everybody else around us has, has kids. And you watch how they – you know, you have to be mindful as well of like – what other kids are having as they get older into like three, four, five years old, you have to be mindful of like what their experience is. Like you don't also don't want your kid to feel like they're deprived of like anything else that kids are having because then they're going to be they're always going to feel like they're missing out on something. Yeah. Um, so there's there there's a fine line on how you deal with that stuff. Like you can take your I, I totally agree. Prep your meals, have only healthy food in the house. But when you go out maybe with your kids, it's like, look, we're going out to a restaurant. Do you want dessert? Special occasion. You can have a dessert. So it's like you kind of like get them into the world of they can do certain things. They can experience everything that most kids experience. But maybe it's just not a daily thing, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe having ice cream after dinner is not an every night event. Maybe it's a maybe it's a Saturday special occasion. We're watching a movie together as a family and we're going to have some ice cream. I don't know. I mean, everybody can come up with their own personal things. But there's I remember as a kid Friday nights. We had a pizza place down the street. It was called Snookies. Uh, if you lived on Long Island, if you lived in my in my hometown, there's actually a Facebook page for Snookies because it was like it was uh, it was such an icon as a, as like a, a place to go when you were a kid. Um, but anyway, Snookies Pizza. We would we we would go pick up the pizza. We would get home as a family, and we would all eat pizza and like watch TV and watch Happy Days or something like that on TV. And it really was such. Uh, I have such like a like when I smell pizza. I think of that time and it's like it's it, and it brings me joy. Yes, uh, I, I don't eat pizza maybe more than once every couple of months. And if I have a, if if that but when I do have that pizza, it connects me to something. Food connects us to things. Right. And there's and it, there's there was a treat aspect to that. My mom cooked probably 90 percent of the meals 
but and they weren't necessarily all healthy, but on you know on special occasions and Friday during Lent, I don't know if you're Catholic, but when I was a kid growing up, we were Catholic and um, well, I guess I'm still Catholic. The the you know having pizza on during Lent was like a big thing. Mm-hmm. We would get to do that, and it was like it was like yeah. So you want to? I think having things like that in your family is very special. Um, but not a day-to-day activity. And that's, I don't know, that's kind of the dynamic I guess I'm going for. But again, I'm not the only one making these decisions. My wife is going to have a say in this too, I think. Yeah, it's, it's cool because like, I don't know, man, there's no there's no guidebook, there's no rule book to parenting. So like, I mean, you look at you as an individual now and you're probably pretty proud of who you've become and, and what you've done. So, you know, who's to say that exactly how your parents raised you wasn't you know the reason you are the way you are now but yet you want to change some things that you you know were taught through them so i don't know it's, it's crazy it's a it's a funny phenomenon to me i'm curious to see how i'd raise my kid and how they're gonna wind up because i mean at the end of the day like the kid's gonna do what the kid's gonna do oh yeah you know it's it, i think yeah you and as you got as you start considering it more and more uh you will you, you know it's like it's interesting there's that conversation you have with yourself and I think I think that most dads will probably have this prior to having a kid. You start thinking to yourself, what is important to me? What do I what are lessons in life that I think are really important that I want to convey down to my kid? How do I want my kid to experience life? You know, that's a really big one. Like how do they how do they how do I want them to experience me? I didn't my dad was my dad was like me. I'm very, very, very like, you know, get up before the sun comes up work until the sun goes down. Um, I got that from my dad, you know, he's, but I also didn't necessarily feel like I had a real relationship with my dad as a kid growing up because my dad worked so much and I admired him for working so much because I saw the work ethic there. But I mean, I didn't, I I, I can't remember many times we would do the only things we would do. My dad and I would go fishing once in a while, go hunting once in a while, um, you know, at the specific times of the year. But it wasn't like my dad was like, Hey, Let's you and me go for a walk and just like talk about what's going on with you. And it's like that I never got. And that's like and, and my wife and I are very open. We have t- conversa- hour long conversations, hours long. And we just talk about how we feel, what's happening, what we're struggling with, how, you know, if we get in a fight, we talk it through for a long time. Never had that as a kid. My parents did not do that. Not with us. If I got angry, I remember one time as a kid, I was like, I think I was probably 10 years old. I got, I pissed my mom off sometime. It was the summertime maybe. And uh, maybe it was spring break. It was, I remember it was warm out because my mom kicked me out of the house. It was like noon, told me not to come back till dinner. And I was like, I think I was, maybe I was, I don't know where all my friends were, but nobody was home. And I just had to wander around for about five hours trying to figure out what to do. Didn't talk to my dad about that. My dad didn't talk to me about that. It was just like, there was, there was a, that's the stuff that I, that I won't do with my kids. Yeah. Like if my kid's struggling with something, if my kid's crying or upset, like I, I want to know why and I want them to know that they are not alone and that I'm there for them. I'm not there to solve their problems. They're going to help them solve their problems, but I'm not there to solve the problems. You know, it's like things like that, lessons like that, that I think are super important um, where maybe, you know, maybe it was a generational thing too. Maybe it was. I mean, my parents are in their, my, my, my parents are in their seventies, you know, and uh, that's just, that was a different, a different time, you know? It's funny, like that. There's very, I mean, that pretty much describes like the relationship I had with my folks. Like I, mm-hmm. I've got a great relationship with my parents, but I mean, I got my work ethic from them. Like they, they pushed me really hard, but we didn't really have any moments where we just talked about how we felt or just kind of what's going on in each other's lives. Um, you know, it would just work all the time. My memories of a kid were us just 
working. <laughs> like we we'd bought yeah. a property out in the country, and like every single weekend we'd go pick up rocks or cut down trees, and that was pretty much our life, um, which was great. Like I think that I got a lot of work ethic from that, and that I wouldn't change anything per se. But I definitely want to make it a point to, you know, ask my kid how their day was. Not that they didn't ask me how my day was, but like actually dive into that and kind of like yeah. what their thought process is when, you know, they make decisions and whatnot. Um, yeah. It's, kind of, it's probably harder to do than, I mean, it's easy for me to say that to them, but I mean, I, I haven't been a parent yet, so it's hard for me to say that. But, you know, it, it's probably easy as a parent to just assume that you know what's best for your kid just because. So it's probably less likely for you to, and you probably have to make more of a conscious effort to actually care what your kid says um, instead of just assuming that you know what's right. But I think that's something that every parent should definitely make an effort to do. Yeah, I couldn't. I, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think we do. We fall into that trap of feeling like dad knows best, mom knows best. Um, and, you know, just do what I say. And uh, how many times did your parents say this to you when you're when you they're like, do this and you go, why is it? Because I said, you know, like, that's the answer, because they don't they don't even know why. They just they and and that's that's I think that's the disconnect. Like I think and the, the and I'll tell you this right now, Robert. The fact that you're thinking about that means that you're gonna be a good dad. It means that you're gonna think you're thinking things through. You're conscious of how you are, how you are being perceived. Yeah. You know, and that is that is a such a step in the right direction. You have no idea how many people just don't give a horse's butt how their kids, what their kids think of them, as long as their kids are doing what they're supposed to be doing. And it might even, it probably even carries over into, over into life. Like when people say, you know, I don't care what people think of me. I don't care what people think of me. But it's like, come on, man. It's like, I, I look, I, I obviously I want to have like an inner love for myself where I believe in myself, but I also don't want to be viewed as an asshole. You know, like I don't want, I don't want to be able to think that of me because I don't think I am that. And so why would I, why would I pretend like I don't care? And if somebody did, especially like a good friend of mine or even my kid, and they thought this of me, how did I train that person to think that, you know, it's not because there's something wrong with them. It's because that's what I'm giving them. That's what I'm teaching them. I'm teaching them that that's how I am. So we, you know, the fact that you're thinking about it means that you won't be that person. You know, you'll be a little more connected. I just, I look forward to. Just like, you know how you look into like Crystal's eyes and I look into my wife's eyes and like, you just like, as you talk to each other, you really are present and listening. That's what I want with my kid. And I feel like that was something, again, you're just like your parents. My parents were great. I felt like, I, I didn't think, here's the deal. Until I was probably like 24, 25, I thought everything, I thought I had the perfect family. Yeah. And I'm not saying that my family's not great. My family is great. I just was blind to a lot of the things that I was missing. And I didn't get any of that. I didn't realize any of that until I was in the real world and I was trying to work and I was trying to create relationships, create friendships and try to be like a normal, like be a person and just, um, and without all the anxiety, without all the, all the OCD and, and, and then you start deconstructing and going, oh my God, like I didn't get that. Like, wait, why you, you see a friend of yours who's like so compassionate and so, you know, helpful and just like, and doesn't blow, fly off the handle maybe or something like that. And you're like, how are you like that? And then you realize like you, you don't have that tool. Maybe, I don't know. I'm just, you know, picking one thing, but this is, uh, this is, this is now th these are things that I want to start like teaching my kids. Um, and hopefully we have, you know, we want to have a boy and a girl, but we have a girl coming and I'm actually really happy about that, that it's a girl. I was kind of hoping for a girl to start, but I, we'd love to have a boy and a girl. And that's what I want to teach them is just really how to be 
compassionate and and the only way to do that is by being compassionate with them and they're going to learn that There's, that's why bullies are born right kids are getting yelled at by their parents all day long dad's like do this mom's like do that and the kid goes to school the next day and he's a bully because the parents are to them and they have that's the only way they know how to show affection they know how to have a relationship and that's yeah so anyway i don't know we're going we're going probably off topic here. no no uh, we, we totally are but I, I, i'm digging it man like i think I don't know, like mindset around like raising a kid. Like kids to me are so cool because they're so innocent. Like it's a perfectly blank slate on which yeah. to build the next generation, the next you know thought processes. Like that's what's the future, and I, I, I'm just intrigued by it. Um, and it, it's just everybody's got like a different style, and it's it's cool because now that I'm older and I've experienced more of life, I've kind of like learned to think for myself. I've done a lot more reflecting on kind of how I was raised and how I would raise, you know, kids of mine potentially in the future. And I think it's uh, it makes you think. And then in doing that, you wind up inherently becoming a better person because you think about you're just more conscious of like the things you're doing, the things you're saying, the way you're acting amongst other people. Totally. Can I ask you a question that might be totally private and uh, and I might be inappropriate? No, go for it. Okay. So do you do any therapy? Not, not, I've always wanted to, I haven't done like any formal therapy. I do like meditation and I'll kind of have like, like talks like this, like you and I are just kind of diving into the details and I'll yeah. have like talks with these, like this with very specific people that I respect, but it's not like any formal therapy. Okay. So I go to therapy. Uh, my wife goes to therapy. Um, we are obviously very a type personality kind of people, very motivationed, motivated, uh, to, to succeed. Um, and a lot of the stuff that we talked about today, and it's just like scratching the surface, right, of all of our things. Um, but a lot of that stuff came through having conversations with a therapist and discussing it, not a psychiatrist where like I'm getting on pills and I'm trying to fix myself for like, I'm not trying to like, I'm not trying to outsource this to something else, right? We can outsource other things, but that's, you, you don't want to outsource your own mental health, right? You have yeah. to be present with that. Uh, so you, and the way to, you can outsource it to extent of like, of basically getting into the practice of having that conversation. And I'm not I'm like, like, I don't, um, I have no skin in the game when it comes to being to, to like suggesting people go to therapy. But uh, I know for a fact for myself, it's been unbelievably helpful. And for me, one of the things that I struggled with, which is thinking about having kids. Am I good enough? Am I smart enough? Am I like all of these limiting thoughts that happen that that are consistently happening with me, which is one of the things that drives me right to prove myself wrong, to prove those thoughts wrong. But a, a lot of that came through in working with a therapist and talking to a therapist. And here's the thing, you have conversations like this, this with you and you know, you and I have this conversation and you know, I have never talked to you before. This is our first time. Obviously you're willing and capable of going to that depth. I don't know if you're willing and capable to go to that depth with most of your friends. Um, I do try to surround myself with friends that do that with me. Um, some do, some don't. Uh, some I'm not as vulnerable with some I am I feel like whenever I do a podcast I can be vulnerable because I really don't care that people know this about me I just the person that I'm talking to I want to know that they're going to get that this is something important to me and that they're not going to just roll over it and or just like dis, you know uh, um, like what's the word kind of like uh, swatted away that's not the right word but you know what I'm saying like they just listen to the information and they're like well whatever don't even worry about that you have no control over that and it's like well no I do I have the control that I have is my thoughts. 
and what I'm thinking and how I digest all this information that's coming at me all the time. I'm 40 years old. I, I'm, I'm having a, you know, I'm not necessarily having a midlife crisis, but I'm midlife, you know, like this, there's, there's a lot happening in my life right now. I'm having kids. I got real estate. I got my online business. I got all these different things and I feel really stressed out all the time and I need somebody to talk to about it and kind of get it all in order and I need to do it on a consistent basis. So this way I can make some progress. Otherwise, if we only have this conversation once every couple of months with some friends or a guy friend over a beer or like over a cup of coffee or over a podcast, it's not necessarily enough because it has to become just like you getting strong and, uh, you know, and looking the way that you look and losing weight and getting, you know, all of those things take what they take practice on a day to day. You have to get good at it. And therapy is the same thing. You have to get good at interpreting how you think. And we've got all of these ways of thinking that we've developed that over uh, from a very young age that our parents didn't teach us, but they basically in, in, instilled in us unknowingly sometimes. And these ways of thinking don't work anymore. They just don't work for the adult version of ourselves. And yeah. so if you can realize that about you and that's, you know, and that's, that's something that I work on for myself. I, I can, I realize those things about me and I, and that I don't let that control me. I don't necessarily run the same thought pat pattern every single time I get certain information. I can interrupt it and go, oh, wait a second. Holy cow. This is this is exactly that same thing that always gets me upset, leads me down this like rabbit hole of like depression or whatever it is. And I could just stop it right here and realize there's actually nothing wrong right now. I, 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 I'm in control of the way that I can think. Uh, you know, and in control is not necessarily the right terminology, but it's like it's like I'm present to what's happening. And I'm going to either choose to go down depression. And how do I do that? Do I binge eat? Do I go out and get drunk? Do I start smoking weed? Do I whatever it is? Do I, you know, just go party? Do I go watch TV? Do I go to sleep? You know, like all these different ways that we deal with the stuff that we the bombardment of information that we get every single day. And how do we deal with that? You know, and that's one of the that's one of the things like it's a, that's a that's a weekly practice. You get good at that. And I've gotten not I'm not fantastic. I'm not the best. But I'm a lot better than I was a year ago and a lot hell of a lot better than I was five years ago. Yeah. And, and like you said it perfectly, like it's the same, you know, concept as, you know, training or, or eating healthy. I mean, it's all it's all symbiotic in nature. Like anything that you want to improve is going to take time and effort and energy and, and you know, improving your thought process around the stressors in your life is no different. Totally. 100 percent. What what uh, this, this might be a personal question, but of like when you started going to therapy, Mm -hmm. What is the one thing, like if you could pick one thing that was just like a huge burden that going to therapy allowed you to open up to and just like, like breath of fresh air? Uh, okay. This is, that's a great question uh, because everybody has, there's a bunch of them and I'll give you one of the, one of the epiphanies that I had about myself. Um, my biggest fear in life, one of my biggest fears in life is that I will never be successful. Um, I'm convinced of it. Right. I, I'm convinced that every of every bit of, of effort that I give in whatever it is that I do will be in vain because in, in it, it, it eventually will turn out to be even if I have some success, it won't be as good as I thought it would be. Uh, or it just I will just slam my head against the wall for months, years, decades and never actually see the fruits of my labor. That is my biggest fear internally. I live with that on a day-to-day -day basis. It's like it's almost what also drives me to then continue to try to succeed. And I and I, one of the breakthroughs that I had when I first started therapy was it was realizing where that came from. And 
it was, it's interesting because then you like, because then you go through this process of being pissed at your parents for a while. So, uh, <laughs> so when I was, okay, so I was five years old. My mother, uh, she submitted a Polaroid. This was back when Polaroids were popular to, uh, uh, an agency, a modeling agency on Long Island called Chickie's Kids. And so that she had, I have four older sisters. And so, and, and four older sisters, one boy, my mom sends a picture of the five of us to the Chickies kids and they write a letter back and they say, we're interested in meeting your son. So everybody in my family is like, oh my God, Rob's going to be famous. He's going to be this famous model. He's going to like be an actor. He's going to do all these things. They're going to go in for commercials. He's going to make all this money, yada, yada. Before I even like, I think signed with the agent, I was promising to buy everybody houses, uh, horses, all this shit that my kid, that my sisters wanted, you know, everybody wanted all kinds of stuff because Rob was going to be famous. And so from the time I was five years old until I was 12 years old, we, we, we lived about 45 minutes drive and about an hour and 20 minutes on a train ride. My dad worked for the railroad, so we got to ride the train for free. Um, every single, from the time I was five until I was 12, at least once a month, potentially, as often as you know, kids would go in for auditions. But for me, it felt like it was at least once a month, maybe more, maybe less. Uh, I would get on a train with my mom, sometimes my mom and my, and my older sister who's a year older than me, and we would go into Manhattan we would take a cab from Penn Station to the to an audition. I would audition and, you know, and and then we would get back in the in the cab and then go back to the thing. And we didn't spend any time really in the city except to eat a, a Sabret hot dog on the streets of New York or maybe get a slice of pizza or something like that, which is one of the reasons why I love those two things. And I would get on the train and head home. And so I did that for seven years. I didn't book a job until I was 12. My mom put me on that train all year long for seven straight years without ever booking a job. And now my mom is very OCD in, in that she will do the same thing over and over and over again and never change it um, because she just that's the way she does it. So she never thought to uh, maybe get me some acting classes or maybe get me involved with somebody that can help me like book this job or even have the conversation with me and say, honey. You know, it's been a year or two and you haven't really booked anything. Maybe we should put hang the hang our hat up for a little bit. But my mom never did that. My mom just was like, we're going to just keep going. We'll keep going. We'll keep going. She never asked the question, never checked in with me, which is part of that conversation of being present with your kids. Right. So seven years and at seven at, at age 12, I booked a JC Penny modeling gig where I was uh, in a, one of these spreads for priests. Like it was right before right before school started. Right. And I can't remember what my outfit was, but uh, I remember getting on set and it was just at one of these like photography studios in Manhattan. I get there and there's a girl that's my age. Now, when you're 12 and the girl is also 12, she's about a foot taller than you, you know, because the girls are just like they age so much faster. The girl was what I remember kind of gorgeous. And so I'm standing next to now. I'm like, I couldn't believe I was there. I was so excited to be there. I just loved the fact that now was my time, you know, I waited seven years for this and it was my time and I go and we, we, the girl and I are standing there taking pictures and I think I, I cracked a joke or like I was trying to talk to her and she was a complete bitch to me. She was so mean to me 
made me feel like I was nobody, made me feel like I just like, what was I doing there? I wasn't attractive. And God, God knows that I was questioning whether or not I was attractive after seven years of going into the city and my mom telling me that I'm gorgeous and that I'm like perfect the way that I am. And meanwhile, every single person that I go to and I meet on a day-to-day basis uh, that, that I'm auditioning for is not hiring me. So obviously they don't think that that's true. So like that mental mind, you know, fuck was really difficult for me to wrap my brain around as a, as a, as a eight year old, you know? So, uh, so I go to this thing, I'm 12 and I, and I, the girl is not nice to me. The photographer couldn't care less. We're in and out of there in probably 45 minutes. I got paid $125 and I'm on the train home going, what just happened? Like what just uh, everything that, that I've been doing for the last seven years, this is what it is. This is what this, this business is. I think it was probably a month or so later that I told my mom, I'm not doing this anymore. And my mom's like, oh, you want to stop? And I'm like, yeah, I'm done. And she's like, okay. That was the conversation with my mom. She never, she didn't push it. She gave me, and that was like, I was like, really? I was real. I remember being taken aback by how quickly my mom was like, yeah, sure. We don't have to do that. Whatever I wanted to quit something, whether it was baseball or soccer or whatever it was, I didn't want to play those team sports. Um, she was like, okay, you know. And I did, I gravitated towards like more one-on-one stuff where I could just rely on myself because I felt like I wasn't getting that one-on-one, that like team support from my family. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I'm a very one-on-one kind of person. Like I, I operate very well by myself. I take on all the responsibilities by myself. And so, so you say like, what's the, so this is, you know, it's a much, it's part of a much bigger conversation, but it's like, we are shaped by the activities and the, and the things that happened in our lives when we were young. That's just, that's just how it goes. And there are going to be people going, oh, get over it. You know, get over it. You're fine. You're, you're a good looking guy. You're, you know, you, you've got a great business. You have a great wife. You have a baby on the way. Get over it. And it's like, uh, yeah, I'm trying to get over it. I'm trying to create a new lifestyle for myself. But my thought patterns are still stuck in the time when I was seven years old. You know, like I'm still stuck in that way of thinking. And, I, and that's why I go to therapy. That's why I need to, I, I find it to be so unbelievably helpful because it's like, it's a, it's a weekly practice of bringing that stuff up to, up to, you know, up to the front of my, my mind and allowing me to process it from an adult point of view. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, uh, that's, I think one of the things that I really realized about myself, one of my epiphanies, um, which is, I think the word you use when we first, when you were asking me the question. Yeah. I think people are so quick to judge. Like, you know, how your what your status is in life or how successful or, or how not successful you are. But I think something that people fail to realize is that your perception is your reality. And and that is, is, is very, very true. Like you you might have all the, you know, surface level stuff. You might have all the, you know, great things that people would envy you for or want for themselves. But if you were perceived like if your mind's eye you know, illustrate some type of suffering or a hardship. I mean, that that's just, that is your reality. There is, and that, you can't look beyond that. That's, yeah, you're right. You can't, you cannot escape that way of thinking. It's one of the reasons why we repeat what our parents did. We repeat it in a way that like it happens to our kids. Uh, maybe, or we go to the complete extreme, right? 
my my grandmother on my my mom's mom she was uh, a kind of not a space cadet. My grandmother's she's but she's one of those people who's cons- constantly like on the go. She's she's got a lot of friends. She likes being social. Uh, she's a little bit of a like a, a a mess in terms of like being organized. And my mom, uh, as a kid growing up, like her, she was like Monk, the TV show Monk, where everything was in place, everything was organized, everything was dusted from the time she was a teenager. That's how she lived, and that was my life as a kid. Everything was organized. Everything was in place. Don't move that. Like I didn't even have to finish a couple, like a cup of water before my mom would stick her finger in the cup and pick it up and, and put it in the sink and then throw it in the dishwasher. Like you couldn't. There was nothing in my house that was out of place. It was it was obsessive, mm-hmm. and so it's like you get that. She didn't get it from her parents, from her mom. She created that based on how she interpreted her mom. Her mom was not structured enough. She created structure. For me, I'm not like that. Uh, I'm a definitely, a, I don't like being told what to do. I don't like rules, which is one of the reasons why I have to work for myself. But I also don't like creating my own rules. So I don't like creating my own rules for myself. So what I do is like sometimes, like in terms of working out, one of the ways that I'll get around not ha- like it's like if I create a goal and I put it out there and like I sign up for a men's physique competition, I do it, right? That's fine. But if I'm just going to live my life and be healthy, I have to kind of outsource how I work out. So what I do is every, I have friends of mine that show up multiple times throughout the week that are either old clients, uh, close friends that are around the same age as me or physically as fit as I am. And I invite them to come hang out at my house for about an hour and a half, multiple times throughout the week. And they come and work out with me. I design the programs. I write the workouts. They show up. But that's how I outsource being not being like like having to follow rules. If somebody shows up, I'll do it. But if I had to like walk away from my desk, I most of the time I'll just get stuck and sucked into like all the work stuff that I have to do. Like it's it's so you have to like realize those things about yourself. And we learn those. We create those over a lifetime. And that's you know, we have to deal with we have to figure out how to deal with those things. I think it's critically important that people take the time to separate themselves from everything else that's that's going on, allow themselves to be alone and just think about those rules that they have created for themselves. So many people get bogged down in the day-to-day minutia that they don't mm-hmm. even look into the mirror and realize what's going on. But that's, I mean, that that's hugely important. Yeah, no, a hundred, a hundred percent. That's, uh, I think you're right in that, you know, being present is, you know, when I when I work with people on my, you know, we have, um, <clears throat> we, you know, obviously, I don't, I don't, you do online coaching. I know you do that. I don't know how much you do in terms of one on one online, but for us, like, I work with people one one on one in line, and we uh, online, and being present is like, it's like the whole lesson. You know, if you're if you're choosing to tune out, which a lot of people that are struggling with their weight and they've been struggling for a long time, the way that they eat is usually tuned out from their living. Right. And not being present with uh, whether or not they are like, I don't know. You I don't know. You might have a little more you might have a little more control and that control might be healthy or not healthy. But at the same time, like I know for myself, if I'm going to and I haven't done this in a long time, but like say I'm going to be driving home from work and I and I'm like, I want I just want a burger. I want a McDonald's burger or something like that. And this is this is a common, common thought process for a lot of people that are overweight that do struggle with eating. Um, is that like they just, they have this impulse and then they literally are able to just turn off that part of their brain that thinks that like, it's like, it goes into this, this thing of, I deserve this. I earned this. 
Um, I, you know, I, this is not that big of a deal. I'm totally fine doing this. This is, you know, like they have that and then it just goes and then they can turn the music up and then zone out and then they go get their McDonald's and they might sit in their car and eat it. They might get home and watch and eat and watch TV and not pay attention to like, what's, what are they really doing in that moment? And that is, uh, that is a big, big realization. One of the things I have with my clients that they do is I, I have them write down everything they eat, right? And I don't even judge. I don't even tell them what to eat in the beginning. I just say, what I want you to do is I want you to write down what you're eating, right? And and next to it, I want you to write down what you're feeling. How do you feel? How do you, how do you feel physically, emotionally, mentally, three times throughout the day, at breakfast, at lunch, at dinner? What are you feeling? What's your hunger levels? You know, like getting getting a sense. And what it makes people do is it makes them get in touch with exactly what they're thinking when they're eating. You know, and it's and eating is just a piece of the puzzle. It's same. It happens with our relationships. It happens with us at work. We're just checking out and we're doing it the same way we've always done it because that's our thought pattern. And we need to break those things. You know, we need to restructure our you know synaptic pathways in order to really process things in a better way. So this way we are taking care of ourselves. And it goes back to your question earlier about what do you think of like what like balance in the life? And it's like you know. If you are genetically, you know, not genetically, but like synaptically, the way that you are, you are structured potentially, maybe you, maybe me, maybe most people is to, is to succeed. And what does that mean? It means that you're going to, you're going to put time in everything that comes into your, onto your plate. You're going to go, does this interrupt my business? Does this interrupt my, whatever it is that, you know, is at the top of the list of your priorities that you need to achieve. And so, um, th- that can be potentially, um, that could be potentially, you know, harmful or helpful depending on the way you look at it. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, because like everybody's got habits. They've got these habit trains that they just they've just learned or acquired over the years for whatever reason, uh, based off of situational, you know, events or, or just how they were raised. But I think it's it's critically important to, you know, build in like set audit points where you audit your day-to-day tasks, you audit the people you spend time with, you basically just step back, remove yourself from your life, look at yourself third person, put yourself under a microscope, and actually analyze and audit, am I living the life that I want to live? Am I living the life that's going to be best for you know, what I'm trying to do with myself and my relationships and, and the legacy I'm trying to build for myself, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, that's just what you're, what you're talking about is your self-reflection. Yeah. You know, it's just a consistent self-reflection. Again, one of the reasons why potentially going to therapy is so important or meditation is so important or journaling is so important or writing down your, you know, gratitude journal is so important, you know. All of these things that people suggest praying, why that's important for for a lot of people, like all of these things basically get you down to the fundamentals of being present and really doing something like that of like self-audit and going what's happening with me right now? How am I dealing with this? And, uh, you know, it's, it's when we choose to ignore all of the things that are happening in our lives and, and let, you know, busyness be the thing that is driving us, uh, to accomplish whatever it is we think we need to accomplish. Then, you know, then that's when we, that's when shit starts to go south and, and, and eventually it either spirals out of control, um, to where we have a breakdown or we see it at some points. And I think that probably the people that are listening to your show are seeing it because they're listening to something that's trying, they're trying to improve themselves by listening to this show. Am I right? Like it's the reason why people listen to my podcast is because they're trying to change themselves. So they're much more open to this conversation. They're much more open to, they know that there's something about them that they want to improve. 
It's not that there's something wrong with them. It's just they want to improve. That's a natural thing to want to do in life. And so you say, okay, how do I improve myself? And the first thing to do is go, well, what is going on? What's happening with me right now? You know, we don't know how far, we'll never know how far we've gone, how far we've come if we don't know where we started. Yeah. Yeah. And people, I mean, it's crazy, man. They're just scared to look, they're scared to audit themselves because they don't want to come to grips with what the reality is. They know it's there and they just want to like push it back and save it for another day. But that, that another day turns into the next year and the next decade. And I mean, before you know it, you're freaking regretting your life and you're on your deathbed. And that's just, that's just bad. (laughs) Oh yeah. You know, that's, See, that's the thing. If we're, uh, you never want to let, you never want to let, that's what, this is, this is like why there's, even though there's obviously there's like, there's illnesses with this, but like, this is why people start drinking. This is why people start doing drugs. This is why people slip into states of depression and start getting on, you know, different kinds of like, uh, antidepressants and, and, you know, and I'm not saying like we could solve your problems. Like you and I are not solving anybody's problems, but it's one of the, it's one of the major reasons why we, we just don't want to deal with our demons. We don't want to go down that road because we're not willing to deal with all that pain. And so therefore what we do is we numb the pain by doing other things. Now it could be OCD. That's one of the, I know for a fact, that's one of the things that I do. Like one of my, even though here's, here's something that I realized recently, and this was a big one for me was, um, I have some of the things that I use to distract myself from my, from my life when I'm feeling overwhelmed is I either watch TV, uh, I'll do like, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, you know, I don't know, like clean the house, things like that. Right. Um, just even like go to sleep or play on Facebook. I mean, that's what most people do, right? They just go on social media and they just like putz around for all of a sudden three hours has gone by. But one of the things that I realize that I do as a, as like a way to escape is I work, right? I just, I'll work like a madman. I'll get things done because it has been going back to when I was a kid, it has been socially and within the household acceptable to put that much work in because that means that that's a good thing. That's a good way to be obsessed, right? Nobody's going to tell you that nobody's going to tell you that being on Facebook is a good thing for three hours out of a day. Nobody's going to say watching TV three hours out of the day is good. Nobody's going to say just like zoning out and like for no reason out of the day is a good thing or drinking alcohol is another one. Escape drugs is another one, right? Nobody's going to say that those are good, but people will accept that work is a good thing because it's a byproduct of that. And so for work's sake, Work for work's sake, right? What are we doing, you know? And that's part of the balance in life. That's part of the, the you know, and it's, it's, so it's like I throw the word out there, balance, but it's about knowing, the only way you'll know if you're balanced is if you like, if you can really see where you're out of whack, mm-hmm. you know? And so that's something that, that's something that I do and I'm sure that that's something a lot of other people do is they find, make, they make work the thing that is their escape um, and that can get dangerous. Yeah, well, it's just it's just so easy to justify. Like if you if you spend three hours watching Netflix, you're gonna have this self guilt in yourself. Yeah, but if right. you if you spend three hours, you know, getting caught up on email and and working on the next work project, then it's easy to go to bed and justify that time spent. I mean, I'm I'm super guilty of that, and I don't necessarily think that it's a bad thing, but it can be a bad thing. Like I love working. Like I actually I found something. I built a passion of mine into a business that's actually successful or getting there at least and i love building that like it's a game it's just it's 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 something that i enjoy working on and that's that's healthy i think it's good but if if i wind up working for work's sake just to have like an outlet to pour myself into because i don't know what i should be doing then then that's when it becomes unhealthy yeah yeah i think uh you know 
Yes, it's when we don't have it's when we don't have it's when we don't set limitations for ourselves, you know, as to how much like how much do I have to do? I think I don't know about you, but one of the things that I struggle with is like I don't I don't have an like an off time, you know, like uh, I'll, I'll be working on a project and I know that there's like it's like at least a couple weeks worth of work and I will just work around the clock mm-hmm. um, to get it done, even though. Uh, even though I know that I can get it done, it's going to take a couple of weeks. It's like, I'm just going to try to chip away at as much of it as possible. And that's where, that's where, yes, there's some satisfaction in that, but there's also a level of anxiety in that, that doesn't let me walk away. Yeah. You, you know? And it's not like, like, I don't know, like, I don't, I don't think I would burn out per se in the work that I'm doing now because it is something that I'm passionate about. But at the same time, I feel like the quality of my work may suffer if I've mm-hmm. lost like the, the just energized, you know, thrill of working on it because work just becomes the 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 hundred percent constant norm that you know that inevitably is going to lead lead to some burnout from like an energized standpoint. Oh yeah, you're gonna you're you're. I think you're. I don't want to lump you. I hate when people say, "Oh, you're this age, so therefore that." I you know, but like it's you know, it takes its toll. It all takes its toll. Something that might be passionate about right now, you might not be in another year or two, uh, or depending on the work ethic that you in, you're involving it, you know, like if you are working around the clock, uh, it's very easy to then to then go, wow, I'm I'm putting all this time in. Is this necessary? Is it really necessary? Like, and at what cost? And you know, maybe like, and it, here's an example: like Crystal right now is focusing on her child, like her competition, and she's I think you said six weeks out. And so maybe that means when she's doing something like this, in order for you to like keep balance in a sense, and there's that word again, but you, you like focus a little more on her and helping her throughout the process and not necessarily like burning the candle at both ends. And, you know, instead, you know, so this way there's just a little bit more of a shift, um, in how you're prioritizing. I don't know. Maybe not. You know, just something. Obviously, it's just there's always ways to think about it. You know, like how do I structure my life so this way I'm the most effective, but also I'm getting what I want out of it and getting what I need out of it and getting some joy from my life. You know, Absolutely. and if it is just and if it is just work brings you joy, then that's fantastic. Then you know, then that's that's amazing. That's what counts, right? If you're getting it there, I don't know if I like. I definitely have some joy. You know, with what I do, I love what I do. I love helping people. Uh, but at the same time, I know that on the tail end of that or the opposite end of the spectrum, I work myself way too hard to make yeah. it to make it what it is. You know, there's that balance of like, uh, how hard do I have to work to please everybody in a sense to make sure that I'm delivering to the level that I want to deliver, you know, without being a complete perfectionist where, you know, like I, I bottleneck everything. It's just like it's just a constant. It's a constant um, juggle. Yeah. And I think honestly, like when you have, you know, when you have your daughter, that's going to totally open a new dimension of like work because like with crystal for instance and probably with your wife like your wife knows your work ethic she understands the bigger picture of why you're doing what you're doing and and she's able to you know cope with that and be okay with it yeah you'll still need to have time together but she understands your kid your kid's not going to understand a damn bit of that you know they're going to be young they just want to have your time you know yes yeah no that's yeah that's right that's right you're and 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 i I don't know how that's going to go that's the scary part i don't know how that's going to go you know, because the first three months they say the baby's just like this little vegetable that you like carry around and it just wants to poop and, and eat and that's it and cries. 
and that's it. And then eventually after that, then there's like all these different phases of growing that, you know, that you're going to have to get used to. And, um, I, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to go. I'm, you know, I'm curious, scared, excited, um, when, petrified. When, is she due? when is your wife due? August 17th. We need to do another follow up podcast, like three months <laughs> okay. in and just see yeah. kind of what your outlook is now as a new father. It'll be this. It'll be <laughs> me, just, me snoring into the mic. Probably, probably. <laughs> Passed out. Yeah, it's like I'm just going to sleep through this. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'd, I'd, I'd be down to that for sure, though, because I would love to pick your brain after having, uh, you know, your kid, like what, what, did, what came through that you expected and what totally took you off guard. Yeah, and, you know, I'll listen to the show and I'll listen to what I said on here and, and I'll probably go, you know what, now after having a kid – uh, here's where I was wrong, you know, or, you know, there's because everything, everything in life is about learning and, 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 you know, and, and evolving. So I'm going to have, I might have a totally different like perspective on things, but at that point, totally different, who knows, but I'm, you know, I'm open to that. That's the point, right? Yeah, no, it'll be good. Though. I mean, I'm honestly curious from a selfish perspective. Cause I mean, I feel like, you know, you, how old are you now? 10 years older than me? Uh, I'll be 41 in, in, in about three weeks. Okay, so yeah, you're gonna be by a little bit more than ten years. So yeah, I mean, I, fifteen. That's fifteen years. <laughs> yeah, so I, I can look at look at the trajectory that you're headed on now, and yeah. you know, see some similarities in my life. So I would definitely, I mean, I can learn learn from you for sure. Of course, man. I'm well. I'm here anytime if you ever want to. If you're if you're like if you guys are thinking about doing it, I'm happy to happy to chat with you and uh, and talk you through the process. And and that, you know, that's the thing that I I love doing things like this. I love talking to people and. And, you know, as long as people are open and talking about their like what they are struggling with, then that makes the conversation easy because then you're not you're not dealing with half of the information. You know, yeah. people just operate in life so guarded. They don't want to be honest about what they're really struggling with. And that's that makes for, you know, boring conversation. But it also just makes for impo like an impossible relationship. Yeah, I think you know? honestly, like from a business perspective and from like just a personal perspective, with my brand and just kind of like the message that I've like people people email me all the time they said the reason they they resonate with me is because I'm so real that means the world to me because I have nothing to hide like I've talked about all my insecurities I've talked about all my downfalls and like when you put that out there when you're the first to make fun of yourself you become you know invincible like who who can take what from you now if you're the first person to make fun of yourself you know you're yeah, that's the, that's the and I you know it's funny I get those same emails and Facebook messages from people, um, you know all the time. They love the fact that like Devin and I are like having an argument on our show because we're just like this is who we are, you know. We curse on our show because that's who we are. We're just we're just even though yes we're health professionals, we're personal trainers, uh, nutrition. Uh, you know she's a holistic nutritionist, she's a gyrotonic instructor, and we do you know and we've I've, I've done over you know I'm coming up on 200 episodes, interviewed tons and tons of like. People like yourself who are like professionals in their field. And it's like we have – yes, we have all of this information and we're able to share it with people. But it doesn't mean we're perfect. We all yeah. struggle. We all try to figure this shit out. It's the way that, it's the way the world works. And if you look at me and you think, oh, Rob's got it all, you know, that's – you know, I'm happy with my life and I should be, you know, even though sometimes it's hard to admit that. You know, like I'm happy with my life. I got I, – I, I, I have amazing things in my life. And, uh, but still doesn't mean that I've got it all figured out. Doesn't mean that I don't struggle. I do every day, constantly. Every day is a struggle, um, you know, in, in its own way, not necessarily like I'm an uphill battle from, from, from start to finish, but like yeah. it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, 
Yeah, let's. I think you're doing your your audience a service by being real, and I bugs the hell out of me when I listen to shows and uh, when people just like make it sound like they've got it all figured out and they don't struggle. I had one girl I interviewed on my show uh, year, years ago, and uh, I said to her, "What's your guilty pleasure? Like, what's something that you you know like you know you wouldn't." If you eat it, you just like you feel like oh my god! Like it's like you just ha- you have to have it. I go my mine's like buffalo wings. Like I love buffalo wings. I love pizza. I love hot dogs. I love you know soft pretzels. Those are my. But I can't eat them on a regular basis. If I did, I'd be a house. Mm-hmm. But like I could eat those every day. And if I do eat it more than like once every couple of weeks or once every month or two, uh, I'm gonna feel guilty. So I was like, what's something like that? She just looks at me. She goes, I don't feel guilty. I never feel guilty. I I, I eat whatever I want. I'm I'm you know nothing bothers me like that. And I'm like. Wow. Like, come on. Like, at least nobody, nobody has that. That's not real. That's just not a, a, that's just not a a real person. Nobody has zero struggles, you know, around, around. And uh, look, I want you to be healthy around food. I really do. But at the same time, just give us a little bit of vulnerability so we know you're a real person, not a robot. Yeah, 100%. I mean, being vulnerable, kind of of like what we're saying, all this ties in. It's funny how when you're talking, everything ties in, but like having empathy and like having an actual conversation with your kid, like I want my kid to see, you know, me in moments of weakness, so they don't they don't have like this. They don't. I don't want my kids to put me on a pedestal and say, you know, my father's perfect, and I have to live up to this expectation because I'm not perfect, you know. And I think if my kid realizes that I'm not perfect, I want my kid to see me the same way that, you know, my audience sees me. Like I want people to know that I'm real from the top to the bottom and everybody in between. Well, I'll tell you this right now, Robert. You are perfect. Right. And I, what do I mean by that? I mean, like your kid's going to see you as perfect. You're going to be the perfect dad and not because you're perfect in like in like a technical sense, but because if you are if you are open with your kid and present with your kid and there for your kid and, and, and you know, and you make that kid feel special, then you are the perfect dad, you know, and it's like they're never going to think like they're going to realize dad's got some flaws you know, as they get older, but as time goes by, you don't have to remind your kid like, Hey, I'm not perfect. You don't have to say that they're going to, you know, you're going to make bad decisions. They're going to disagree with you. They're going to decide that you're not perfect at a certain point. They're going to, they're going to, at three years old, I think is when they just start like going, no, you're wrong or something like that. You know, like they, they won't, they won't listen to you at every turn and they won't, they'll look up to you because they respect you because you've earned that respect as a dad, but they won't think you're perfect. And you know, uh, that's, that's an unreal, uh, unrealistic expectation to have, um, to have mm-hmm. that your kid will, that your kid will think that of you, you know? And it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's going to, t- it's going to take its own, it's going to have its own evolution. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about that. Yeah. We'll definitely have another, another podcast after you've been a dad for like three months. I'm curious to see three years. Like I'm, I want to say, I, I'm, I'm just going to appear into to your life, man. And just get all these, all these <laughs> questions and answers figured out before I have kids. <laughs> <laughs> And you'll never have all the answers. That's the thing. You'll never have all the answers. You can't prep for it. You can't over prep for it. I know you're like, you're the guy who wants to like have everything planned out, you know, but you can't prep for having kids. You just got to, you just got to roll the dice and then just see how, see what the outcome is. And it's going to, you know, like there are certain things you can prep for, but it's just like, you're never going to be able to plan for any, for all of it. Doing the best you can with what you've got, I think is that, and that's kind of like a, a worthwhile philosophy to live by. That's yeah, that's exactly right. Do the best with what you got. Yeah, completely love it. Absolutely. Well, Rob, I mean, shoot, we've been talking for 
shoot, I don't even know, almost two hours. Uh, I know, it's crazy. <laughs> no. It's crazy. We just kind of went down all kinds of rabbit holes. Um, but, I mean, where, where, where can people go to find out more about you? Uh, well, if they want to just check out what we're doing and check out some of the podcasts, they can go to openskyfitness.com. We got all of our podcasts listed there and in, in very similar in terms of conversation, but we, you know, we talk about all different aspects of being healthy and how to, how to improve your life. Um, we also have, um, it depends on, we also have a Facebook page, the open sky fitness podcast page, which is a community of people that listen to our show that believe in this kind of philosophy and, and want to improve their lives and, and are ready to kind of like take it to that next level, whatever that level is, but they want some accountability. They want a community around that. So they can, you can find those people at open sky fitness. Uh, I'm sorry, at open sky fitness podcast on Facebook. And it depends Robert, when you're going to release this because in a month or actually it's, yeah, in a month officially on April 23rd, uh, we're launching a, um, a new challenge. Uh, we've been doing this thing called the sky fit challenge, which is an eight week body weight workout program mm -hmm. that has, um, you know, that has, it's built as a smaller community. That's much more VIP kind of much more, int uh, um, uh, you know, intimate. And that challenge is, uh, if people want to check that out and, uh, and it's like I said, body weights and there's nutrition and my wife and I are in there like every single day hanging out and helping people through this. And we had just, we just had a guy who finished it. We had a bunch of people went through but like the, the, we had a guy that finished it in eight weeks, lost 30 pounds, um, in, in eight weeks. And it's not like he's like, he, I jumped on with like a video uh, conversation with him testimonial afterwards. And he's like, man, he goes, the thing that different, th that was different about this than anything else that I've ever done. He goes, I never felt hungry. I was, I felt like I was eating whenever I wanted to eat, ate whatever I wanted to eat. And it's not like we're doing like some kind of crazy stuff, but you know, when you cut out processed food and sugar from your diet, it's amazing what your, what your body starts to do, mm -hmm. you know? And, uh, so that's called, if people want to check that out, that's, uh, openskyfitness.com slash challenge. That's a, that's an easy one. They can go check out the links there and they can find it at the top of the open sky fitness page too, under coaching. If I release uh, this, I'll release this before then, if it's released before then there's like a, like a landing page, or like a sign up or something. Yeah. The landing page is openskyfitness.com slash challenge. And then they'll see the, all the info. There's some testimonial videos there. There's also like, you know, all the details about what the program is, what's involved in the program. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's, and it's, it's intense obviously cause it's a challenge and it's eight weeks long, but you know, then people have the opportunity to stay in the community and continue to do those and not lose that momentum, which is what we were talking about before. It's like, why, why stop doing something when you, you know, when, when it's working for you, yeah. uh, you know, just continue on. So, uh, so yeah, that's, that's an easy one. If people are interested in checking that out, I'd love, I'd love to, you know, uh, talk to them more about it. Absolutely, man. Yeah, I'll link out to all those. It'd be easy to find them. Um, yeah, man, this would be good. We'll definitely, definitely, definitely have to do another follow-up podcast after, uh, you know, some more time has passed. Cause I, I mean, I'm excited for it, man. This is going to be it's gonna be cool to see how your life changes in the next uh, few months. Oh, it's going to be it's gonna be crazy. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see how that goes as well. It'll be good. It'll be good. Man, it's been a pleasure. Been a pleasure. Certainly appreciate your time, and we'll definitely do this again. Robert, pleasure's all mine. Thank you again for having me on the show. I'm, uh, you know, uh, I, I love what you're doing, and your transparency is is going to catapult you. You, you know, your story is amazing, and and your audience is definitely tuned into that. So I know that you're going to be successful at all of this. So I'm really excited for you, and thank you again for having me. Likewise, Rob. Likewise, we'll we'll be in touch for sure, man. I appreciate your time.